0: Yo, dogs. Yo, dogs. Welcome in.
1: <laughs> hey, Randy.
0: <laughs> Welcome in. It is episode 74 of the SoCo Show. This is SpongeCo Square Beans, and I'm joined, as always, by my good friend, Seth <laughs> I
1: do. I am not uh, Seth Rick Star. Oh,
0: that would be perfect, though. That's what <laughs> I, I, would I want.
1: Just, I, I just want my name to be Seth Rick.
0: <laughs> I think we can make that happen. Um, <laughs> it is, uh, this is the last episode of of 2018 ever
1: bye guys
0: <laughs> all right bye <laughs> no just kidding uh last episode of 2018 so uh for one thing we got to do the new release rectal exam at the end of the show today so hopefully i will be losing this uh spongebob square beans moniker in favor of something uh well it'll either be something new and derogatory or back to the co-host um for the beginning of 2019 <laughs> we'll see how that shakes out Toward the end of the show, a lot of movie stuff going on. We saw a shitload of movies over the weekend that we need to review. <laughs> uh, there are a couple trailers that we're really excited to talk about. Uh, not a lot of news today, um, but we will spend a lot of time in movies. Of course, hypotheticals. Uh, Seth has a new edition of the TV Corner that I'm really excited to hear about. Uh, Mambo number 5, and of course, Playoff Football that we're going to talk about. No one-word summaries today. Uh, we uh, replaced that with the rectal exam this week, so uh, make sure you... Come back in 2019 to hear more uh, one word summaries. But um, uh, we, of course, hope that you have enjoyed your uh, Christmas holiday or your whatever other holiday. Uh, Seth doesn't. Seth hopes wishes you a shitty holiday season, but uh, hopefully you all you've enjoyed can it. Suck it. <laughs> Seth hates all of you. And um, we're rolling into the new year. So, really excited to round out 2018. This is the first entire year that we've done the show. We will have done 52 yep. episodes during, well, not 52. Did we skip a couple weeks? Um, we skipped
1: one week, I think.
0: Skipped one week with the move. Um, yeah. And so, uh, but but beginning to end, we did all of 2018, which is kind of exciting.
1: Yeah. Next year, we'll have to skip three episodes.
0: Yeah. That'll be sweet. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, we uh, I said it before, a lot of stuff to get into today. So let's start like we always do with chic tweets.
1: I call you a punk. So, not a lot of you know this. Um Iron Sheik is a former WWF champion. You know Iron Sheik is a famous wrestler. You probably gathered that, but he's 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 one of the greats. He's a Hall of Famer. And uh this this week, actually today marked an anniversary for the Iron Sheik. 35 years ago today, he 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 states 35 year 35 year ago today in the most <laughs> famous arena in the world, Madison Square Garden, so I become world champion. I beat the Mr. Bob Backlund, and I become the legend of the earth. And then he follows up that tweet with this one. Bubba, 35 years ago, I have an after party that make the Pineapple Express look like Chuck E. Cheese. (laughs) (laughs) Me, Hot Rod, Wild Samoans, Mr. Fred Blassie, and the mass Superstar burned down the New York City. Hashtag 35 year later legend.
0: That's pretty awesome. She going to back back in time, uh, back on the timeline to uh, bring us. I'm sure that was a fucking legendary party, way 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 back in the day. Um, and <laughs> they probably just got fucking lit. That would must have been well, amazing.
1: Here's the thing: is like, <laughs> what what does Pineapple Express look like? The Chuck E. Cheese mean? Like, I don't. I mean, I know I know it's a brand of uh, it's a it's a strain of, of marijuana, but. Uh, is Chuck E. Cheese one too, or is it like Pineapple Express wasn't a party? Like, I mean, if you could have a party, a Pineapple Express party at Chuck E. Cheese, I think that's the ultimate, uh, the ultimate shebang. But I, I don't know if those are two comparisons that he should he should be making.
0: I think I don't know. Maybe he's talking about the movie because that movie's pretty wild and crazy. They get into some uh, big time shenanigans. Maybe he's saying that that movie looks really tame compared to the shit okay. that they were up to that night.
1: But isn't there a lot more movies you could compare it to, like especially party movies?
0: Oh yeah, uh, um, maybe uh, what's the one Project X? You remember that one? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> With Je- Jeff Chang, isn't that? His name? No,
1: that 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 was that was twenty one and over.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's the one I think.
1: <laughs> uh, no, Project X was the one I think. Did, it, did that one have Miles Teller in it?
0: I don't know who it had in it. Mm. I remember seeing it and then forgetting all about it.
1: Yeah, let me check that real quick.
0: If he's in that, I will be amazed because I never would have put those things together. I remember being entertained because I was stupid. and. No, Miles
1: Teller is in it. Miles Teller is? is in Project X. Hell yeah. Did you search 21 and over?
0: No. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you did.
0: <laughs> no, I didn't. Project X is a Todd Phillips movie. I'm right about that.
1: And Miles Teller is in it. I see him. He's is he right like the here. main...
0: He's not the main... Is he the main guy?
1: Well, guess what his character's name is. Main guy? Miles. <laughs>
0: Oh, so maybe he's playing himself. No, he's probably not playing himself.
1: I don't know, but he's in it. I knew he was in it. God damn it, I'm smart.
0: You're so fucking smart, dude.
1: Yeah.
0: I'm really proud of you.
1: Give me the Schmodown title.
0: <laughs> uh, the movie trivia genius is in the house. Um, we're, we're in sheet tweets, I guess. <laughs> and now that's over.
1: I call you a punk. Don't
0: forget to. I think Foul's-
1: anytime. Anytime there's Miles Teller talk, um, we should call it the Miles Minute.
0: It should be the Miles Minute. Okay. Yeah. And then we got to find a reason to keep talking about Miles Teller. Which, I mean, yeah. I'm sure we can. He's a good actor.
1: Yeah, he's fine.
0: Yeah. Well, we'll we'll invent that segment. Uh you did interrupt my fucking promo. So now I got to start You're that welcome.
1: <clears throat> I'm going to make you bleed for this if you don't stop.
0: Oh my god. Get the f- <laughs> god. I'm going to hit you so fucking hard, dude. You're going to get whiplash. <laughs>
1: That's all I got. (laughs) That's
0: all I got. Well, I got got three of my friends are going to come over, and as the Fantastic Four, we're going to beat your ass.
1: (laughs) I told you I'm done.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right, folks. Don't forget audibletrial.com slash SoCo. Hit the link in the description box, and you can get your first 30 days of Audible and your first book for free. I still haven't started Harry August yet. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> but um, but I do have it, and uh, I will listen to it. So, uh, folks, let us know as always on the tweets at underscore Cody Michael at Seth O Otter at Soco Show Pod if you have any book recommendations. Otherwise, make sure you're hitting the link and taking advantage of the free shit. We really appreciate that. So let uh, let's jump forward again. No one word summaries today. We're gonna start the show with uh, going into the final week of the NFL season. It's sports.
1: Sports. sports. And boom, goes the dynamite.
0: So the playoff so, <laughs> picture is taking shape. What do you, what do you want? What?
1: I'm going to interrupt you again. Do you have another Miles um, Teller joke? My, Miles Teller was in both oh Project God. X and 21 and over. He's in both.
0: Get the fuck out.
1: I'm not kidding. But uh, yeah, interrupting you again. That was uh, kind of uh, that awkward moment in the podcast.
0: Oh, my good God. <laughs> I'm done with you. Get out of my house. See, you, see, you did it again. You derailed me, you fucker. <laughs> Um, Miles Teller. God damn it!
1: (laughs) This is really gonna start a war dogs between us.
0: Oh my god! (laughs) I gotta get get off of his IMDb right now.
1: (laughs) You know what, Cody? You're you're putting up with me right now. I just want to thank you for your service.
0: Get the. Go ahead. You got more.
1: That's like that's all I got.
0: Okay. Oh my god.
1: I'm going to kick your ass in this. It's, I'm going to hit you so hard, my foot's going to be loose.
0: All right, we're done. Close that tab. <laughs> Close that tab. <laughs> we got to talk about football. I, we're so far from it, I have to hit the sounder again.
1: Sports! <laughs> and boom goes the dynamite.
0: Okay, the NFL playoff picture mm-hmm. is taking shape, and we know almost everything. Um, so let's give a rundown of the situation as it is right <laughs> now. Um, the AFC, uh, if the season ends today... Uh, we have the Chiefs at number one, Patriots at two, Texans, and then Ravens at three and four. Those are your division champions. And then the Chargers and Colts are currently sitting in the wild card positions with the Titans and Steelers still alive, but out right now. Um, I want to start at the bottom with the Steelers. And this the is Steelers. a team now that has lost like, they've lost like six of seven games or some shit like that. And they seemed like a foregone conclusion a couple weeks ago to get into the playoffs. Now they're on the outside. They need to win and get help in order Mm -hmm. to get into the playoffs. Uh, Steelers are playing Cincinnati this week, so they'll be favored to win that one. But they also need Cleveland to beat the Ravens. So that's an important game. Those are two important games. Um, The Steelers can jump back into the four spot, um, and uh, the Ravens can fall all the way out of the playoff picture if if that scenario does take place. But if the Ravens win they're in and uh they would go in likely as the number four seed. Uh between those two teams, Seth, your AFC champion, who would you rather see and who do you think makes a deeper run between the Steelers and Ravens?
1: Here's my answer for both.
0: Pa-ka! <laughs> I is that miss me Ravens? I guess is that that's the a Raven. Raven. Is that a Raven noise? <laughs> I thought, <laughs> I thought the sun was coming up, and you were fucking cockadoodle doing outside my window. Okay, so I you, know, wa- never, I've you never, I've never heard hear of the ravens Raven before. You want to see the ravens in there?
1: I do. Um, I got to watch a bit of them again this last week, and uh, yeah, they played the Chargers. Correct.
0: Yep, they handed it to them.
1: Yeah, um, the Ravens—they're press—they're really impressing me. Um, and Lamar Jackson is like—he's improving every week. Which is really it's good to see, especially this time. I mean, he's 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 able to he he's he's like a the way he's playing is is just like a exponentially better Tim Tebow in both facets, <laughs> um, because you he, he's he's much more elusive, but he's big, so he can run over guys. But he's also, I mean, his his arm is improving. Like he doesn't have that weird throwing motion like Tebow does. Like he doesn't have a great throwing motion, but he's he's able to to fit it in there. He's a, but more than anything else, he's able to hit the open guys like tebow wasn't able to do. So, mm-hmm. um, he but there that offense is running real I mean, very impressively. They're cuz their their time of possession is is what's doing it. The Steelers have to just keep up with the offenses, and there's better offenses than them right now in, in the in the playoffs, whereas if the Ravens, they play a completely different style of football on both sides of the ball. And if they're playing a if they're playing achieves uh, like you know like they did a couple weeks ago. Um, the, the Patriots, they're again the Chargers. Um, they're they're going to be able to play to the opposite effect and play their type of football and really throw the other teams off their game. So I, I like the Ravens. Watch I say watch them uh, surprise a team or two in the playoffs. I don't think they have enough yet to. Um, you know, make it to the to the Super Bowl or even maybe even the AFC Championship game. But that Wild Card round and maybe even that divisional round, they might be able to surprise a few teams.
0: I like it. Uh, I love this team. I think they're the antidote to everything that the NFL is today. And that is cool and exciting. Uh, There's a team in the NFC that reminds me of them that we'll talk about in a little bit. But I agree with you. I like the Ravens and I as I enjoy watching the Steelers because they're exciting, but I fucking hate the Steelers. So I would love to see them not make it in. I think that'd be Mm -hmm. very entertaining. And I'm pretty sure Le'Veon Bell agrees with me on that. Um, (laughs) So let's go up the ladder a little bit. We have the Titans and Colts. Right now, uh, the Colts are six. They own the last wild card spot. The Titans are on the outside looking in, but they play each other. That's going to be your last Sunday night game of the season this week. Yeah, that's cool. The winner is in. The loser is out. And uh, Seth, who's your pick in this one between the Titans and Colts?
1: I got to go with, oh, that's a tough one. Um, I think I got to go with. The, in this case, they're so evenly matched. They they're both playing really good defense right now, and they're both running the ball extremely well. Um, with Derrick Henry kind of resurging and Marlon Mack playing really well, but I, I think I got to in this case give the game the game to the better quarterback, and that's going to be Andrew Luck. Mm-hmm. I think I think that game will probably come down to the end. You know, the last the last few minutes of the game, um, and and you got to give it to the guy who's proven. You know at least been in the playoffs before and he, and he's won a lot of games with his arm at the end and Andrew Luck. Mariota just hasn't been there yet. Uh, he has to have a lot of other help around him, whereas Andrew Luck can put that team on his shoulders when he needs to and win that game. So I'm going to go with the Colts.
0: Yeah, I'm in agreement with you for the exact same reason. I think Luck puts them over the top. I love, And I really like this te- this Titans team. I've watched and listened to more of them than I'm than I typically do. Um, and what Derrick Henry is doing lately has been really impressive. Uh, I like both these teams. I think they're similar to the Ravens in their they play defense, run the football. Um, but but uh, luck, as you said, is I think what's going to put them on top. So yeah, I think I think that we see the um, the situation that we laid out before in this order: Chiefs, Patriots, Texans, Ravens, Chargers, Colts. Uh, I think that's going to end up being what we see. Um, they can reorder themselves near the top. Uh, everyone's within a couple games. So you may see the seating order change between the division champs. Um, but right now it looks like those are our six teams. We'll come back uh, next week to make some predictions about who gets through that. Um, but uh, we're excited. I think there's uh, there's not really a lot of great games this weekend, but that, that, that uh, Colts and Titans one is one that I'm definitely going to be watching. And I would not have guessed I would be watching in
1: September. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, going back to the Titans real quick, I think... I I'm not a believer. Mariota has had a couple chances now. Like this is his third year, I think. He's had a few chances to kind of prove that he was worth that number two pick, and I just don't think he has been. Um, it's I think he I think for him to to prove that he is the franchise, he'd have to do it by now. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. just the way quarterbacks are. Uh, that team though, I think is a legitimate quarterback away from being a real tough team. With the running game and the offensive line they have, and that defense, and they actually have some good weapons. Uh, on in, with the receivers, Corey Davis has proven this year that he's been able to, you know, have a big game when he needs to. Um, I know he was hurt, Delaney Walker, but um, he, you know, he he's a top five wide, uh, tight end in the NFL. They got some weapons. Uh, they just, I think, they need an actual legitimate quarterback to be a contender going forward.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. They're probably not going to be able to draft one, but there are going to be some guys in free agency that I think could uh, can make some waves if mm-hmm. the Titans are able to grab one. So I think the AFC is going to be really interesting, um, and I'm not going to make any picks quite yet, but I think that I think that a lot of these division champs can be beat. I'm looking at the Texans and the Patriots specifically. I think those are two teams that could very well get beat and surprised. So I think these these lower half teams, you know, your Ravens, Colts, I don't consider the Chargers to be a lower level team, even though they did lose to the Ravens. But I think that mm-hmm. I don't I don't think you'll see the one and two seeds go through to the end of this. I think the AFC is going to be a particularly interesting tournament because there's no, I think the Chiefs have to be the favorite right now, but I. it just is so even besides that. Uh, I'm really mm-hmm. excited to watch the AFC this season. I didn't think I would be. So let's look at the NFC where things are a little bit neater. Um, We have the Saints who have locked in as the number one seed. So the winner of the uh, NFC will have to play in uh, New Orleans, which is going to be a tough assignment. Uh, That, much to the dismay of the LA Rams, who are right now the two seed, they can win this weekend uh, against San Francisco and lock in the two seed. So they can avoid any cold weather games. Uh, For example, against the Bears, who are right now number three. So the Bears and Rams could swap. If the Bears win against Minnesota and the Rams lose. So the Bears do have something to play for this week. Um, the four seed right now is the Cowboys. They are the, they are locked in as well. So the Saints and Cowboys are the only two people on either side, uh, on either conference that are locked into their position. So the Cowboys are number four. They're playing against the Giants. Uh, probably they're going to sit some guys because they don't stand to gain anything from winning, but they haven't announced anything yet. The Seahawks have locked in their spot. They are uh, the first wild card team, so they're the five seed. They'll finish against Arizona. Um, they they could drop to number six, so they'll likely be playing their guys because they want to stay the five. But uh, the current number six is the Minnesota Vikings, but they have a do or die matchup against Chicago, because if if they lose to Chicago, the Vikings, that is, then the Eagles, who are right now on the outside looking in at number seven, can win their way in. So. Vikings uh, are, are kind of playing for their lives, as are the Eagles this week. Add to that the fact that this Vikings and Bears matchup could be a rematch in the wild card round if the seating doesn't change. So, a lot of interesting stuff going around around this Minnesota game here. Um, but, Seth, the Vikings just got to win. That's all they need to worry about.
1: Yeah, I don't like any of this. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't fun. Um, the, the way I foresee this happening, uh, the Vikings lose against the bears uh the only way that i think they get in is if uh the redskins beat the eagles uh, that that's my prediction um do i think the the redskins beat the eagles probably not but um maybe i can hold out hope for for peterson to do a, do a solid for us one last time <laughs> <laughs> and run for 297 yards and and uh and uh beat the eagles for us but yeah, i i i don't I don't like this. This is setting up for a, a classic, uh, classic letdown by the Vikings. <laughs> so uh, we'll see what happens. Um,
0: is this game going to decide whether or not Kirk Cousins was a good choice?
1: I don't think so. i I think this season is kind of a, a, of a wash. I think I think if next season, you know, they because he, he even came out this year for the first eight or, eight or nine games and was leading the NFL in, like, yards and completions and touchdowns, and then something just happened along the way. That offense kind of shut down. So, I mean, he was looking like he's worth the money for about half the season and then and kind of fell off. So I think he has the talent to be that. Um, I think he just needs some more consistent coaching and offensive line, personally. because He has made plays when he's needed to, but he's also, you know, not. <laughs> um but I, I don't blame this whole season on him. I think next season will be the real the, the real tell of this is if they get some people, they get some talent in behind him, uh, they get the consistent coaching. If they, if they can, if, if they, they have to do something next year, especially if, with having a more favorable schedule. Um, if he doesn't do anything next year, then yeah, I will officially say, yeah, he's a complete bust, but I wouldn't say he's a complete bust right, right now. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. He's just got to prove himself to be a winner. Uh, he's always had good stats, but it's the winning that needs to happen. And uh, no better way to showcase your talents than by uh, winning a Week 17 game to sneak into the playoffs. Um, so, yeah, there, there are your teams. So we are down to, what, 15 teams uh, remaining on both sides of the NFL season. Most everybody else is eliminated. Um, so uh, starting next week, we can start making some picks. Uh, ahead of the wild card matchups, and you know we'll finally know exactly what the playoff picture is going to be like. Feels like we've been speculating for uh, about a month now, so it'll be exciting to get that finished up. Uh, the other thing that'll be exciting to get finished up is my fantasy football championship. Um, mm-hmm. I have a pretty sizable lead going into the final week, um, and uh, you know it's not locked in yet, but I, I'm feeling pretty good about my guys this week. And hopefully next week I'll be able to tell the the listeners at home that I that I'm a champion. So we'll see about all that though.
1: It's all going to come crumbling down.
0: <laughs> I'm going to go into a deep depression if I end up losing. So I hope for everybody's <laughs> sake that, that I end up winning because I've gotten oh, to the I finals and so lost hard. before. And that is the worst thing. To, I would rather not w- win the playoffs.
1: I would laugh so hard. Yeah. she
0: <laughs> would. You peck her head. <laughs> uh, that would be very disappointing. And, and speaking of disappointing, uh, let's move on from sports into this week's Mambo number no. five. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Mambo number no. five. See what I did there? That was that was pretty sweet, huh? That's,
1: that's a hell of a segue.
0: <laughs> so last week, Seth talked for a while about how much he hated the Mule last week, and it wasn't
1: that long. It
0: was a while, and I cut some out. <laughs> <laughs> so, so if you if you heard Seth's diatribe last week, uh, you'll know that he was incredibly disappointed by the Mule, um, a movie which uh, certainly had sort of an Oscar pedigree, right? With uh, with Clint Eastwood. Directing and starring, and then uh, you know you have Bradley Cooper in there as well. And this just felt like an Oscar movie. It doesn't look like it's really going to compete for that stuff. So um, <laughs> not not really living up to its expectations. And I don't want to get set down that rabbit hole. So I that all. Oh, that don't is, you
1: get me started.
0: All that is to introduce this uh, the uh, theme for this week's Mambo number five is going to be disappointments. Right. So this can be video games, TV, movies, anything um, that we got excited for and then we're disappointed by. And this is an interesting list. I actually. I had a little bit of a tough time coming up with my list, um, but I feel good about the ones that I had. Generally speaking, I end up liking the movies that I get revved up to go to, um, but there are definitely a few stinkers on this list that I'm excited to talk about a little bit. And I, I would bet Seth that if I that if I asked you to, you could guess my number one, and uh, <coughs> we'll we'll see if you can get it. Um, but uh, yeah, let's get fired up. Is it yours or my so- we to go first?
1: think it's yours now just to clarify this is most disappointing movies games and tv so it can be all those okay um the way way i did my list was not like i don't necessarily think all these are bad on my list but just things i was pretty hyped up for that kind of fell flat for me
0: okay yep that makes sense
1: so not all these i mean there's definitely some real bad stuff on this list but i would say actually about three of them i didn't necessarily my my Uh, From five to three, I didn't think were bad. I just thought that from my expectations, I was just like, meh, type of thing. So number five.
0: I had a hard time deciding between my five and six. So my six, I'll make an honorable mention, um, but it definitely deserves to be on this list. Uh, I'm going to start with my number five. It's a 2018 movie. My list is pretty heavily slanted toward recently, um, as you'll see. Uh, A 2018 movie, we were really excited for this. It was the sequel to The Equalizer. Uh, with Denzel Washington. And we loved the Equalizer one, you and I, Seth, and um, Mm -hmm. got really excited for the second one, really enjoyed the trailer. And man, did this one just come out flat. It it, it just kind of, um, to me... It fell victim to all of the things that a sequel can fall victim to, right? Where they try to they try to give you a wider worldview and make the story bigger and higher stakes. Mm-hmm. And they try to dive deeper into characters' backstories when they the cool thing about them before was that they were mysterious and just it was too long. It wasn't as it wasn't as gritty or dark or exciting or brutal as the first. It had CGI fighting in it, which was totally both like there was a lot here that I didn't like, and most of it you can chalk up to just it's a sequel and these things happen. But this was one, certainly in 2018, um, was one of my biggest disappointments, but I have it on my list for, for all time at number five here. That was a bummer for me.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely loved the first one. Um, and the second one, the trailers were really good, but I just, I mean, I definitely walked out kind of like, eh, but I it was at least a watchable time. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense, um, and my my expectations weren't extremely high for it, so a lot like all these, my expectations, you know, except for my number one, you'll I'll talk about that, but the rest, of my expectations were really high, and they kind of just you know fell below that. So, sure. um, you said the Equalizer. Do you, do you think uh, they should make a sequel to uh, Alvin and the Chipmunks and call it the Yeah. <laughs>
0: I don't know about that, but if they make another one with Denzel, they should call it the three (laughs) equalizer.
1: They have to now. (laughs) All right. My number five is probably the most, and this is why it's number five. And this is still a fine movie. I know you enjoy this one more, more than I do, but, um, I, this is probably the most excited I've ever been to, to go to a, to a movie and it just fell below what I wanted, which was the dark Knight rises. Um, Okay. Yeah, it, I because the, the, dark, the Dark Knight was so damn good, and I was expecting like this epic finale. And just from the beginning, I was poking holes in this in this movie. I mean, the eight years away thing was really dumb. Um, the the putting the knee brace on and he's instantly healed was stupid. The yeah, so the broke- knee
0: brace. Sorry, and I hate. Uh, sorry to interrupt. The thing about the knee brace is, is, sure, like I'll give you that it makes you kick harder, but it doesn't make his foot not shatter. When he kicks into a brick, he kicks a brick wall apart to prove his point. But the, your foot would break before the... Even if you kicked it really... And Sorry. And yeah. he, you're right about the knee brace.
1: Well, here's the other thing, though. Not only just that. So the other thing was the broken back thing. Oh, God. Um, yeah, he breaks his back and like three months later, he's fine. But then his knee is magically solved because he doesn't have the knee brace anymore. So... <laughs> like what the fuck there's just so many like content like uh continuity errors in this movie bane is destroying the entire city um blowing up bridges everywhere uh the city is taken over by this dude like that's a little much for me Uh, (laughs) blows up an entire football field without anyone notice like it's just it's they they just he he just kind of took it and just went crazy with it in the end um and then I, I didn't I personally did not like the Talia al Ghul. It was cool that Talia al Ghul was in a movie, but for me that just completely overshadowed Bane in the end. Yeah, with that her. made him a so, and so it just there is just too inconsistent, too many plot holes and continuity errors and. Uh I, what I was expecting. And I think part of that too is not their fault because I know they were going to include Heath Ledger and the Joker in it to mm-hmm. kind of round it out. And I, I think they kind of had to write on the fly and, and create something different than what they were anticipating. So that's an issue. But also it's Chris Nolan and it was the conclusion and all that stuff. And they just needed, I think they needed to execute better in this case and they really didn't. So um yeah, my, I was disappointed by this movie quite a bit.
0: Yeah, I'll give you... I. I... I don't think you're wrong about any of that stuff, but for whatever reason, I'm I'm willing to forgive all that, and I still enjoyed it. But you're totally right. I think that the the things that he the things that Nolan wisely avoided and wisely navigated in the Dark Knight so well, it seemed like he fell into all those traps in this mm-hmm. one, and it just it didn't seem like the same filmmaker. It seemed disjointed, especially yep. from the Dark Knight. I don't like Batman Begins, so I don't know how how much it connects there. But um, yeah, it definitely it didn't seem like a part like the logical conclusion conclusion to this trilogy. And I would bet a large part of that is to your point because of Heath Ledger, but yeah, it's really too bad. We'll never get that movie though. That could have been something really special, but I still mm. enjoyed this one, but I don't blame you for having it on the list.
1: Number four.
0: I'm really bummed about this one at number four, because I talked this up for a long time, especially on this podcast and got really excited to pick it up. Uh, it's the video game. We happy few. Mm. And I haven't talked to you about this. I don't think Seth since, since I got it, but what I thought was going to be a really cool narrative driven kind of creepy story, survival story, ended up being a really run of the mill RPG game where you're like having a bunch of inventory and having to run around and do a bunch of, oh, my dog is lost. Go find it t- type of tasks. And that's not the game I signed up for. I Maybe that's my own fault for not knowing what I was getting into. But I played this for like a little while and just gave it up. I, I didn't even play through it. Like <laughs> it's there's not enough. It didn't keep you in the store. I like a narrative based game. Tell me what to do and I'll go do it. I don't like all this running around and doing everything stuff except for Spider-Man. I don't like all the running around and doing a bunch of extra crap to get like XP and, and inventory and stuff like that. And so it's just the genre at the outset set itself up for failure for me. And I was so excited. I mean, you've heard me talk about this a million times. And I was so excited for what this story was going to be. And then I just didn't get it at all. So mm-hmm. I was, that was a real bummer for me. So that's why it's number four. I probably could have that higher too. Because of video games that I've owned, it's right up there at the top, I would say.
1: Well, it's funny. Uh, my number four is also a video game um, that also has three words in the title. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, mine is No Man's Sky.
0: Oh, I um, forgot you got that.
1: That pissed everybody Yeah, it off. did. It did, yeah. And I, again, this wasn't a bad game it just wasn't what they advertised right um, and it was i mean it was kind of boring too and, and and apparently they've done a re an update for it that's kind of improved it and whatever but at this point i'm not going to buy the game again to play it they kind of hyped this up as being this huge exploration and um, you know just like basically like you're your Marco polo of the of the of the sp- of space and you go to all these different planets and there's something new in every planet and um, you know, you you just kind of conquer all this stuff and explore, and you got to explore and kind of do some of that, but it was a lot of the same stuff everywhere you went. From my understanding of what other people experienced, too, like, um, the vastness of it was kind of overstated. Um, I mean, the, the, they kind of said going in that you'll never run into the same thing twice, and a lot of people were doing that, and the the, the mechanics of the game weren't working well, and it just... The, the other thing, too, is that you'll never run into someone, and people were running into each other all the time. And mm-hmm. it just all the stuff that were they were talking about didn't actually really work. So um, it just – it was a fine experience, but it's one of those things that's like I you're not going to get much replayability out of it. It's the same thing over and over again. And it it's just – it wasn't interesting enough to really – keep me engaged for more than like a couple of days. And then I traded it in a couple of weeks later, just cause it was pretty bland and, and boring. So uh, what they were trying to go for was really impressive. And for an independent studio was really, was really ambitious, but they really, especially towards the end there, they, they I think they were rushing and they, they oversold it and under delivered. So
0: yeah, exactly. probably should have taken the opposite approach, but when you're going, they did like the Indiegogo, GoFundMe thing. Uh, So they kind of had to shoot for the stars and just couldn't hit it. And they ended up having to like apologize and like change a bunch of stuff because people were pissed about what they had advertised and it was a whole big mess. So yeah, I I think a lot of folks would have this one on their list for sure.
1: (laughs) Number three.
0: So this is a weird video game slash movie combination. Um, I was such a huge fan of Ratchet and Clank growing up. And so when I heard that they were going to be doing a movie, I was super jacked. And then they <laughs> gave it to whatever fucking studio they actually gave it to, made it into this dumb, like, for 10-year-olds movie with a bunch of stupid fart jokes and stuff. And then they remade the game, and then they changed the story to it um, and added up added a character who they thought would be good for the movie that wasn't and, like, altered a bunch of people's backstories and stuff. And it just wasn't it just wasn't good at all. And I remember going to that movie and I almost fell asleep and I was really excited for that movie and, and that's one of my favorite characters, especially from a video game ever. And they just, they, they just overly made it into a kid's thing. And those games are rated T for teen. They had like adult jokes in it. But they, <laughs> they went for the G rating in the T movie. For teen. Yeah. <laughs> and it uh, it fell flat because of that. And so I was, yeah, I was pretty excited and I I knew on some level they would try to make it for kids and, and whatever, but the way that you can make it for kids and still have it be fun for adults and just, you know, good. And it wasn't. It was bad. And I that whole thing just seemed like a debacle to me. Hopefully someone eventually takes another shot at it. But I think it's going to be a while because it didn't make any money either.
1: Yeah, I don't think a, a movie is going to ever work. <laughs> but the, the game they released for it was actually fun. So um, I know it was different than what you'd played before. But mm-hmm. uh, it was actually a well-reviewed re- game and was fun. I enjoyed that game. So I'm glad I got to experience Ratchet & Clank again. Uh, on the on the video games
0: everybody should i thought that would did we do i talked about this on last week's um i hope they remaster it list um just because i think everyone should try to play that it's super fun uh
1: my number three this is the last thing i didn't think was bad i just thought they uh didn't do it well uh which was the defenders i was really excited for the defenders Uh, the netflix of course the netflix series where they put all the netflix heroes together um of because at this point they'd done two seasons of Daredevil. The first one was amazing. The second one was okay. They'd done, and then both season one of Luke Cage and and Jessica Jones and Iron Fist. Jessica Jones and I, and Jessica Jones and Luke Cage were excellent first seasons. Iron Fist was poopy. Um, but all that all that together, I thought would be you know a really uh, excellent show together. Especially just knowing uh, how some of these characters interact in the comics and all that stuff, um, and what they built to, towards with the hand and all that. Uh, it just didn't really fit well together, um, and they kind of made a mistake by by putting this all together so suddenly like that. I think that was the issue, was how they put all of it together in the end. Um, they had one unifying force in the Night Nurse, essentially, and they really hadn't had these characters interact up to this point, whereas like with Marvel and the Avengers movies and stuff, they had all these characters kind of slowly start to pop in and out of the movies and interact a little bit. To the point when they all came together, it made sense. And this one, it just other than the night nurse being around, it didn't really make a ton of sense that they were all together, um, other than like the hand. But there, was, it just it just seemed weird, and they didn't have enough time to build the chemistry and and all that stuff. And um, and then just kind of the the hand, well, didn't turn out to be a, a great villain because they hadn't built much time with the hand either. So um, <laughs> yeah, it just it's oh, it just that's wasn't nasty. I built plenty of time with the hands um, <laughs> um but yeah it just it just was underwhelming and could have been a lot cooler it would have, honestly it would have been a much better series if they had had Kingpin be the the mm. main villain something like that uh, or have all the villains from the other shows kind of come together and and do something like that It'd have an ultimate payoff in the end though they just didn't it didn't have that payoff that it wanted uh so yeah the defenders is pretty disappointing.
0: Yeah, no surprise there. I heard I heard middling reviews, and that was sort of the beginning of the end. Now, because of the Disney stuff, this was gonna the cancellations were gonna happen anyway. But I think, um, for some folks, you could kind of start see it coming from there.
1: Number two.
0: Do you remember After Earth?
1: Uh, the Will 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 Smith movie.
0: <laughs> yeah. See, the time it took you to think of that is why that it's my number two because. We had in this one M Night Shyamalan, I think was I think he wrote it, but I know he directed it. Will Smith is in this playing with his actual son Jaden, um who I had already been a fan of at that time. And you know, you get this big vast story about Will Smith being this badass some sort of space crusader or whatever. And then they're on this planet where everything on this planet has evolved to kill humans. And I'm like, all right, fucking give me Will and Jaden whooping ass and killing a bunch of beasts with a billion dollar budget. And this has to be good. And it was not. I, Mm -hmm. and I love Will Smith and Jay like this should be a movie that I've seen 20 times. Everything, everything that I've mentioned so far is a reason why I should have watched this movie 20 times now, but it is just boring. And Mm -hmm. they take Will Smith effectively out of the movie in the first little bit by physically disabling him and then he's got to just talk to Jaden the whole time Jaden Smith not prepared to carry a movie at this time so you're bored the entire time you're watching him and there was some stuff in here that worked but it just it was surrounded by a bunch of boring and a bunch of like unearned emotional beats and like really sweeping I don't know if pretentious is the word I'm looking for but they really wanted this to be a prestige kind of a thing and it none of it landed, and it was just a huge bummer. And the fact that I haven't watched this movie in the what six or so years since it came out is exactly why it's my number two. Because I was really pumped for this. I Will, every have been psyched for every Will Smith movie, and this is the one I think that's probably at the bottom of the barrel for him, at least as far as I'm concerned.
1: Did we go see this?
0: I did. I don't know if you were with me or not, but I think it was an eight. I think,
1: I think we did. I think I went with you, but that's the thing is I barely remember this movie.
0: Yeah, no uh-huh. one does.
1: <laughs> I had to cycle through the wills in my head. I was like, I started at the, cause I was like, Will Forte, no, Will Ferrell. no, And then I was like, Will Smith.
0: It might've been better head. with Will Forte.
1: Maybe. Yeah. Well, that would have been last man on earth.
0: Yeah, exactly. Except he gets eaten by a giant fucking squid or something. That'd be hilarious.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I definitely saw this movie and I think I saw it with you, but I couldn't tell you how it ends. Uh, I just remember there's some sort of pod. Yeah. I don't know. I'll never see that movie again. <laughs> All right. Well, my number two, um, and this movie is a number two. Oh, that's can, can nasty. Be, can be described in one word, Martha.
0: Oh God, yeah, that was a bummer. <laughs> that was a bummer. <laughs> Why do you say that name?
1: <laughs> yeah, Batman versus Superman: Dawn of Justice. Um, yeah, I wanted to love this movie so much. Uh, I I remember. I still actually remember when they announced it at uh, Comic Con. I I was in Ames, and the tra- the they had shown a little just a snippet of a video of it um of not like the the scene where he's on Batman's on the roof and the iron bat suit thing yep and uh do you bleed that thing yep um I was refreshing YouTube and searching YouTube constantly to try and see that video and I finally did but Um, That was two years before it came out, so there was two years of anticipation for this movie. Um, Finally, getting Batman on the screen again. This was after this is post Dark Knight Rises. I was ready for a a refresh in Batman. Um, I was excited for Batfleck, and I still don't think he was the issue with that movie. But you know, Man of Steel kind of underwhelmed me, but I you know I didn't hate it. I didn't hate Henry Cavill, so I was ready for I was ready for this. I was ready to see these two throw down on the screen, and it just was a big old turd. Just a just a big old number two on the screen. Um, I th- the only thing that I liked about the movie was Batman's fighting, which is pretty badass. It that looked like a comic scene book.
0: Is epic.
1: Yeah, it looked like a com- It looked like it came straight out of the Batman comic books. You could feel every thud, every hit, and I'll remember that scene. Those those scenes, even though he used guns, uh, I'll remember those scenes uh, forever. But the just the rest of that movie was just terrible. And so yeah, it's. Not a good movie. Very, very uh, disappointing, um, especially as a big Batman fan. So, uh, yeah, definitely definitely a number two uh, for most disappointing for me.
0: I think they just went for too much in this, right? Because they had to introduce yeah. Wonder Woman. They had to bring in Lex Luthor, but also make the main villain someone they both fought. So they made the Abomination or whatever the fuck that thing's called. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, they just went for a lot. So it's two and a half hours of bloat for the five minutes everyone wanted to see where Batman fights Superman there's a good movie in there and it's not the ultimate cut I'll tell you that because that's three fucking hours but yeah I wanted Mm -hmm. to love this too we bought it you bought it and brought Mm -hmm. it home so that we could watch it again hoping that we'd like it more and this was a this is one of those movies that I always hesitate to say that I dislike because it's a really popular movie like everyone wants to dislike that movie right and so Mm -hmm. I always am, am careful to not just be the guy who hates a movie because everyone says it's bad but I left the theater. I remember leaving the theater and being like, "That was not a good movie." I don't think. Mm-hmm. And it just, yeah, narratively, like the writing, the whole structure of that plot was just not very good. I, yeah, so I think it was fucked from jump. But it could have been very good, and the whole idea of Batman Superman should have been amazing. Yeah, this is. Yeah, I agree with you. It it lacks the the benefit that you gave to your your fourth five four and three where they were actually decent just didn't live up to expectations Mm -hmm. this didn't live up to expectations and was duty so yeah Yeah. i think that's a really good i'm i would have put this on my list had i thought of it
1: number one not
0: what do you what is my number one seth
1: i think if i thought about it a little bit longer i'd be able to i'll give you a hint this is the
0: most angry i've ever been coming out of a movie
1: i don't think i'll be able to pull it right now
0: okay well you're gonna feel really dumb in a second my number one is the dark tower
1: oh fuck yep that makes sense yep this oh that movie was awful it is
0: a bad bad movie and it just (laughs) i don't i'm gonna really try to stay calm um (laughs) this is the best series of books that i've read at all and yes i've fucking read harry potter and the dark knight or the dark Knight, (laughs) the dark tower and this is how (laughs) i'm really focusing on not screaming um the Dark Tower is an incredible series. It is the best that King has to offer. And King is one of the best American writers ever. And they had all of this 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 background to go to. They had these excellent characters and great scenes and emotional beats and comedy and all of this. And they just farted out this by-the-numbers, <laughs> bogus-ass action movie that changed all the narrative, most of the narrative of the actual Dark Tower series try to condense seven books that are like there's like i think in audiobook time there's like 200 hours of this series and they tried to tell like the whole story months. in two hours yeah <laughs> and i spent most of a year listening to them getting excited for this movie and then they put the movie out and it was a it was a liquid emitting fart it was it, it wasn't this is not a case <laughs> this is not a dark Knight rises case where it was you enjoyed it but like eh, it could have been a lot better this was a shit movie And Mm -hmm. everyone, everyone knew it. The critics hated it. It was a bad and poorly made and poorly acted and poorly written movie. And so not only do they give me, here's the dark tower, Cody, but we're going to have Idris Elba play the gunslinger, which is a fucking amazing cast. And then we're going to have Matthew McConaughey play the man in black, which is also an amazing cast. But then they're not actually the characters from the book. They're totally made up new bullshit characters that are stupid. And then they get this kid that can't act. I I firmly believe he'll never act in anything again to play Jake the kid. <laughs> and then they just, they they went in completely the wrong, every, every decision they made was wrong except for the casting of those two guys. But they cast them to play characters that don't exist. So I don't know what the fuck. I'm going to stop there. Um, Dark Tower is bad as a movie. Um, and even, you know that this is bad because even people who read the books or even people who didn't read the books like you, Knew that it was bad when we walked out of it, so it wasn't even just because I was so excited about the books. It was just this is a this is not a good movie, and partner that with one of the most excited one of the most one of the times I was more excited for a movie than almost any other time, and then they they squeaked this one out of their pants. I was just not. It was yeah. I'm gonna stop there. That's it's my number one very clearly, and I could scream about it for an hour, but I would choose not to. <laughs>
1: Oh, yeah, that was definitely not a good movie. Um, yeah, my number one is a show. It's a TV show. First season was a season. You probably guess this. Um, first season was...
0: Oh, uh, yeah, I do know it. I was reading about this today, actually.
1: <laughs> uh, first season was a season of TV that I absolutely loved. I was addicted to it. Um, ended up listening to the audiobook for it. I was obsessed with this, the first season of the show. First season was, I mean in terms of actual tv um you know it was it was it was good not great but the story the writing had me just in so hard because uh, it was based off of the, the the source material and a good performance by uh Catherine Langford as well but uh the second season that's 13 reasons why season 2 was complete and utter shit it was the worst <laughs> the worst uh season of tv i probably ever watched and I watch all the CW shows. Um, <laughs> no, it was just it was just just garbage. It was so bad, and they lost they lost the source material that they had, and just really completely went off the rails with it. They just they had like ghost visions of Catherine Langford with this weird uh, send off of her, and and who, who played Hannah Baker. Um, they went all over the place with the character choices and. And developments and just none of it really made any sense there was one scene in the entire season that i liked and it was the end uh with clay hearing that song the night we Wept, met by lord huron uh it's like one year later from when he danced with her at the the their prom or whatever it is winter formal type thing and all of his friends come and hug him on the in the middle of their song playing again and Um, it's like this nice emotional scene that I, that I really enjoyed that, that being said, I mean, that's 13 episodes of TV and I enjoyed three minutes of it. (laughs) So it, it just, it was, it was not good at all. And I didn't expect it to be good. Don't get me wrong. I went in expecting it to be like highly mediocre to bad. And I got terrible. Like I, it was like four steps below what I anticipated and I was already had pretty low expectations. So yeah, um, but again, like a moron, I'll watch season three because I need to know what happens. Um, I cannot <laughs> but... believe they
0: got Greenland. So I was reading. Uh, I read about. I read about this today. So um, folks might remember. I watched the first one in a night. I was totally in on this, and like you said, it's 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 okay TV. Like mechanically, it's okay, but the the narrative here is incredibly just gripping in the first season. Mm-hmm. So I watched it in it. I stayed up all night to watch it, and then it ended, and I was like, "That was good. I'm done." And then they announced season two. And I was like, nope, not for me. I'm not watching it. And you did. And you said it was, you read it on the show and said it was okay. So I was like, okay, I'm never watching this. Um, But it was brought up today because I did hear that 13 Reasons Why was the the top streamed thing on Netflix last year or this year in 2018. And I was like, fucking really? And I knew a lot of people liked the first one. Um, So I went on and I just read the plot of the whole season two. And man, is it dumb. Like they mm-hmm. they they went total sideshow like soap opera dumb shit pulling characters out of nowhere and pulling events out of nowhere and pulling conspiracies out of nowhere and there's a whole lot of there's a whole lot of really disturbing shit that they didn't need that they put in for shock factor and it just wasn't yeah it's booty I agree and I haven't even watched it and I know it's booty <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. yeah just very disappointing especially how much I loved the first season Cause yeah I was super in it I mean it was from episode 1 I was just super hooked into it um loved the characters and then loved the the audiobook actually and ended up enjoying enjoying more cuz it was kind of a simplified thing but um cause even the some of the stuff they added into the show just wasn't for the first season wasn't kind of true to the book and kind of uh, felt forced and then season 2 was they it was like trying to fit fucking uh a 12 pound steak into a sausage sausage casing it just like was awful i mean it was it was the worst
0: <laughs> that's a gross that's a disgusting
1: oh that's nasty
0: <laughs> so that's our list um this was a disappointing list <laughs> do you have any uh dishonorable mentions to add on
1: what did you you mentioned one earlier
0: mine was How uh I... my almost number five was suicide squad
1: Ooh. Yeah, yeah, that was that's that's pretty disappointing.
0: Which mainly on the strength of the trailer ended up disappointing me, Um, Mm -hmm. and so I yeah that that was the that was the one uh, honorable mention that I had that that could have made my list, but I went with Equalizer instead.
1: Yeah, Um, Ready Player One was one I was thinking about. Mm -hmm. I didn't that that one disappointed me just because the book was so good. Um, The movie just kind of diluted some of the book. Um, The movie was still like if I would saw them separately, I still like if I didn't know the book existed. Um, or the book never existed and I just saw the movie, I would think, oh, this is a fun movie. Yeah. Um, But because I had the book to kind of compare it to, I was like, eh, you know, probably like all the Spider-Man, Sam Raimi, Spider-Man movies. Those are pretty disappointing. Okay. We're going to move
0: on from this before we get into a fucking fight. Uh, (laughs) I knew you were going to take a jab at that too. (laughs) Now it's easy. I mean, when you're, when you're as a lot of these are characters that we love or stories that we loved for one reason or another, and it's really easy to disappoint. And, you know, we're the shitty people that demand perfection out of all this stuff. But there are cases where it just was not handled in the way it should have been. And I think we have good lists. Some people would be like, oh, Spider-Man Homecoming was a disappointment because this didn't happen. And I'm, and it's like, fuck you, dude. You can't have perfection. Um, I yeah. don't think we're that extreme. Some people are, but I don't think that's us. So uh, certainly folks out there, if you love any of these movies and want to tell us how we're just wrong about any of them, um, I'd love to get in a Twitter fight with you. So at underscore Cody Michael, um, at Seth Owa and at Soco Show Pod, uh, if you want to discuss any of our any of our top five lists or if we left anything out, uh, let us know what we should have added.
1: Yeah, you know, um, it, it it takes a it takes a real tough person to to rate you know to to do one of these lists and put their put their choices out there. And as Miles Teller would say, only the brave can do it. Jesus. <laughs> All right, I'm done now. <laughs>
0: That's the end of that game and this week's Mambo Number 5. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Mambo Number 5. I fucking hate you. God, I thought, oh, that was actually really great. Oh, my God. Well, hopefully there aren't any uh, Miles Teller jokes in this next uh, segment. We don't have any TV news, but we are going to skip right on ahead to Seth's TV Corner.
1: To my TV corner.
0: Seth, I want to blow you. Woo! Uh, so, Seth, very excited about this one. This is, uh, you mentioned last week you were slow watching in order to avoid getting to the end because you're enjoying it so much. Uh, <laughs> well, that didn't work. <laughs> it didn't work. No, you, you ended up, uh, <laughs> you thought you were going to slow up the foreplay, but you ended up skipping right to the end uh, as you are wont to do. Um, so, very excited to hear about uh, this one. A lot of high praise, Emmys, Golden Globes, all over the place. Um, for The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Uh So one mm. of your top shows the last couple of years, I know. So how'd season two stack up?
1: Mm, marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Um I'm getting emotional right now thinking about how I don't get to watch it for another year. <laughs> um, um, yeah, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, uh season one, I absolutely loved. Uh, won, won all the awards. It cleaned up at the, at the Emmys last year, even though fucking uh, Tiffany Haddish and... I can't remember who else uh completely screwed up Rachel Brosnahan's name those bitches um <laughs> but uh yeah stars Rachel Brosnahan as Midge Maisel um she's the burgeoning stand-up comic in the 50s um Alex Borstein plays her manager Susie um you also get uh Tony Shalhoub playing uh <laughs> he's amazing uh Tony Shalhoub playing uh Midge's dad um i can't remember who the actress is that plays her mom but those are kind of them and then kevin pollock uh, a lot of people know him from like his podcast and other stuff he's done some other movies and stuff um he plays uh the father-in-law to midge but the first season kind of started her career she was uh she kind of just stumbled upon stand-up comedy uh her and her husband uh joel at the time kind of uh ran into a tough spot. Joel cheated on her. She was pissed, went to a comedy club and boom, there she goes. She started, that starts her career. Susie, who who is played by Alex Borstein, discovers her and kind of prods her into becoming stand up. And so basically the leave off last season where she is now, you know, kind of starting her career and all that she's, she's starting to become known. Season two uh, is now that journey of, you know, getting her name out there. And you know showing getting her footing and and becoming the comic that Susie wants her to become and and sees what she can become. Season 2 is uh perfection. Um Ooh. <laughs> So, season most seasons, I mean, the expectations for all seasons of TV is first season's awesome, second season usually kind of falls a little bit. And season 2, what I loved about what they did here was They took what everyone loved about the first season, um, enhanced it by not... I think the the thing that what what shows often do is they'll just kind of throw and add just new shit to try and make it stick, right? Mm -hmm. And this show took all the characters that they had and added more layers of depth because there is a solid core of five or six characters and... You really kind of got a taste of all of them last season. I mean, Midge is the the main part, but they do a good job of kind of bouncing back and forth. They added just more layers to each of it. Um, They changed just enough of it where like this season. So the, the show takes place in New York. The first season's all in New York City. The second season, they kind of, they throw a little bit of it to Paris to kind of start. They move it back to New York for a little bit. Then they go to a vacation place in New York that you didn't get to see last season. Then they go back to New York to kind of finish it out. So they take the characters, kind of put them in a in few new situations. They really only add one new character in Zach Levi, uh, which oh, he was excellent. He is, he is so good in this. Um, his, his chemistry with, with Mrs. Maisel is awesome. They're they're kind of like a love interest type thing. Uh, and it's it's excellent seeing these two together. Uh, Rachel Prosnahan, is is she's she's becoming my new Emma Stone, um, <laughs> and, and that's that's a tough thing to do. So they, they do that. They they only add in just what they need to. Um, they expand more on the characters that 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 I that that part of it I, I absolutely love. Like last season, Tony Shalhoub, who plays the father Abe, he 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 kind of was a just a he was the same thing the entire first season and just very uh just very dry and kind of a curmudgeon and this season they put him in new situations that changes his character just a little bit and you to see him kind of evolve a little bit um he he, he there is some scenes where i was crying laughing <laughs> just from some of his reactions uh because of the situations he's in and how he how he develops and and how he i just it's, it's it's incredible. I he he deserves he deserves an Emmy for what he does this season. Absolutely, one hundred percent. The show, though, I mean, again, extremely funny. The stand up in this stuff is excellently written. Um, the the a- Amy Sherman Palladino and her husband, I think Daniel Palladino, they they I think they have a little bit of backup uh, background in stand up, but the just the what what they again we we have been around. Amateur stand up, and that's kind of like what a lot of the the stuff in in the beginning, um and and throughout some of the clubs that they run into, uh, a lot of it's like that. And and we've seen kind of some of the inner workings of like how people get more time and stuff like that, and um just a little bit that we've seen is it holds very true. Mm-hmm. um and It's really cool to see they 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 really do a lot of justice with that. But um, the 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 comedy with it, how it pushes the boundaries, because this takes place in the late '50s, so people weren't saying a lot of edgy stuff and this is kind of just the beginning of that just the whole show in terms of the stand-up and the overall overall um interactions of the characters is absolutely hilarious it'll make you laugh almost every episode you'll have you'll laugh out loud multiple times but then there's some really earnest and emotional moments too with with the characters um nothing like that's gonna you know hit you hard in the in the stomach with like deep dramatic moments but the the way these characters interact with each other, um, definitely has, you know, has emotional depth to it and, um, make your, you make you feel for these characters in certain situations. Nothing, again, nothing that's like, um, shocking or like character death, you know, type of like you hurt like that, but like, you know, um, life happens, love happens, love goes away. Um, people lose, you know, certain positions and jobs and shit like that where you feel for them. Because it, because this feels such like real life with these characters, you know, you get so invested in these characters, which um, I'm 1 million percent invested, but <laughs> uh, that, that's, that's kind of where it comes down to is, is the investment with Rachel Brosnan. That's the main focus of the show. Um, she, her character is M- Mrs. Maisel. Um, she is, she is 1 million percent that character. She, she, you feel what she's feeling. You, you think what she's thinking. you you just want to see her, you want to see her win. You want to see her just every time she's on stage, you just want her to to kill it. You know, um, her, the confidence she has, the, um, the, her attitude, her, but also her innocence in some situations and her, I don't know. There's something that you can't, it just feels like a real person on the screen mm-hmm. at all times. And it's amazing. She, again, she deserves, she deserves all of, all of the, the recognition. And I, I, I mean, I've seen a decent amount of the comedies and stuff that were nominated for Golden Globes and would have likely be nominated for Emmys. I, I can't honestly put anything else close to the show. I, I really can't. Um, it's it's easily my favorite show on TV. Easily. 100%. I, I mean, I honestly got sad when I finished it. Um, <laughs> I was mad at myself. I was mad at myself for... Because I, I was halfway through, as an episode five, and I clicked play. I'm like, I'll watch one. And I had nothing to do that day. So I just kept... I couldn't stop. I couldn't stop watching it. I physically could not get up to stop watching it. And then the finale. And I actually, I, I did save the finale. I was like, okay, maybe I'll wait a few days in the finale. I woke up the next morning and watched it. It's it's addicting. It's hilarious. It's emotional. It's it's everything. And especially the ending in the season got me. Um, I love the show so much, and I am extremely sad. I have to wait. So. I'm gonna give this five. Go watch his fucking show right now. Out of five.
0: <laughs> Holy shit! <laughs> that is the first time Seth that you've ever given something five out of five.
1: Yeah. 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 Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah.
1: That's awesome, dude.
0: Oh my god!
1: This level of uh, investment that I have in it is similar to like how I felt first thirteen season thirteen reasons why season one. But this is actually a good show, like performances, (laughs) um, comedy, writing, directing.
0: I got some good news for you, man. Hmm. I started it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) After a long, long time of you beating it into me and some of my other friends beating it into me. I am three episodes in and I can vouch for everything you're saying. <laughs> um, I haven't I haven't fully got like both feet into to all of it yet because I'm still getting to know the characters. But I totally mm-hmm. understand how a person like she is completely fucking captivating. Rachel Brosnahan, in mm-hmm. this. she's on screen yep. all the time, and you can't look away from her. She just has that thing about her, right? That she just she is always it. And I don't know, but the stand up portions of this so far that I've seen are hilarious. And mm-hmm. yeah, you you forget. And what I'm just now starting to get into is there's a lot of feminist um, sort of themes in this that that she kind of is, um, you know, having to go through the struggles of being a woman at this time and trying to break out of those things. And she's a really good, I think, feminist character. And um, I love there's an in joke in this about um, the friend uh, Susie uh, looking like a boy. (laughs) <laughs> it, i laugh so hard every time that they make a reference to that and it's very small it, it they never like look at the camera or play some fucking afterwards like they, they yeah. just slide it in there ever so slightly and every time it just fucking kills me so i'm very excited actually tonight after we're done recording i'm gonna go um get some food and then put on uh, episode four because i i think i'm gonna get pretty into this show and it's an hour long which i never watch so yeah. if if you needed any further endorsement besides the not one, not two, not three, not four, but five stars that Seth gives this show, um, just know that I'm on board as well.
1: Yeah, it's I, I actually I mean, I like I like season two more because it's you already know these characters. And like I said, they don't fall into the trap of like trying to throw a bunch of new characters and change up the formula too much. Um, but they also don't keep it exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Like you're following her on a journey, you know, type of thing. And. Uh, you kind of seen this before, but it's in new territory because it is a woman and it is in the 50s or now it's going to be going in the 60s. And like TV is just starting and, you know, comedy is just starting. And it's like at least the kind of the modern comedy. And it's it's there's just so many new elements, but it's also familiar. And yeah, I think you'll like season two even more because um, there there are more of those <laughs> um, boy jokes with, <laughs> with Susie. Um, and they just they know these characters so well by the time you get to season two um, that what they end up doing with it is for me it was perfect and I loved every second of it so I'm jealous that you're watching it for the first time because I (laughs) want to watch it for the first time again
0: (laughs) I we've reviewed a lot of shows you've never given one a five and you've never said that about a show so yeah uh, the folks out here and remember going back a few weeks if Seth recommends something you should fucking watch it so, yeah. uh, if you're out there and you haven't, uh, let us know and we'll give you Seth's Amazon prime password so that you can go on and watch it. <laughs> oh my gosh. Great stuff. Uh, high, high praise. The highest of praise this week in the TV corner.
1: That's in my TV corner. Seth, I want to blow you. Woo.
0: <laughs> Woo. Indeed. <laughs> Let's move forward, and we are going to dive deep into the psychotic mind of Seth Ott in High What you want, what you want, what you gonna do? And hey, what you gonna do? Tell me, what you wanna do? Hypothetically speaking.
1: <sighs> Hypotheticals. So last week we talked about, and the we're in summaries, uh, the man... Who is being forced to watch Bambi every day because he poached some some uh, some deer? Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, the hypothetical is: I need you to go kill a bunch of deer, um, and so we can you can be forced to watch Bambi. Oh God! No. Uh, um. So here here here's the hype the hypothetical. Uh, you're in jail for life in in either scenario here, so you're oh, in jail for life. Yep. Yeah, you uh. You, I don't even know what you did. I can't think of anything. You, you banned me for making Miles Teller jokes, so you're in jail for life. <laughs> so your options here are kind of along the lines of Bambi. You're required to watch The Lion King twice a day, every day, but you're in solitary confinement. So you're you're by yourself. You never talk to anyone else. Just you and, and the Lion King twice a day, every day, no matter what. Oh God. Or, or you have all your prisoner rights. So you know you can go out have your your time out in the yard, you know, do workout, see other people, um, you know, all that stuff, but you cannot speak at all. Um, you can never talk. You can't learn sign language. You cannot argue with anyone. You cannot discuss anything. It's just, you interact, you know, you're, you're around people and you know, they're there, but you can't speak to them.
0: Am I physically incapable of speech or I, I, I'm able to, but then I get,
1: you're, you're physically unable.
0: Oh my God. This so might this Lion might be King. the most fucking maniacal one yet.
1: <laughs> I know cuz you like to talk and you also don't but you also like to be around people. <laughs> so I, and then you also run the rest too if you're in solitary every day of hating the Lion King cuz so you have to watch it twice a day every day. And you're forced. There's no getting out of it.
0: God, the solitary thing is that that's the the trip up because I yep. I could watch whatever my favorite thing is. I, I don't know what it is, but whatever my favorite thing is I don't, like, that makes me happy, sure, but being alone would be fucking awful.
1: Well, but you can't discuss it with anyone, and you're for. eventually you're going to get tired of watching it. Yeah. And you can talk to yourself about it, but no one else. You don't even get to see anyone when you get food. Just, it just goes right through the tray hole.
0: My first thought is to at least just be around people. Um, but I think I'm going to go with the solitary, uh, which is probably wow. a surprise. Yeah. Um, here's why. If I'm like, sure, I can be around the people, but it's still a prison, right, like, and probably someone's gonna try to get handsy with me, and I can't, then I couldn't tell anybody, and then the the people that are around me are all, like, you know, prison people, so it's not like, <laughs> it's not like I really desire to be around those people. I, I think in in solitary, I would, I would definitely lose my mind, but I wouldn't know that I was losing my mind, right, so, like, I would go crazy and I would start having hallucinations of Zazu in my cube and I would talk to myself and all that stuff. I would absolutely go crazy, but I wouldn't know that. And so I think I think I can be okay with that um, because so I me, could get me, to speak. And I would probably end up developing a split personality or something. I could talk to that guy. Um, but I, I just... <laughs> Yeah, I, I think as weird as it seems and as much as I would absolutely hate it for at least the first few months, I think I got to go with the solitary here, at least pending this new wrinkle you're going to throw in.
1: What? Yeah, let me ask you, like, what if it was with a movie The with a movie kind of influence? So, like, let's say it was instead of Lion King, it was like Manchester by the Sea, like super depressing, dark.
0: Oh, God. Yeah. Would, well, yeah, if it's a movie, if it's a, it, it would have to be a happy movie. Uh it would have to be a happy movie.
1: So Cuz otherwise with I would the, go so if... cause
0: then I would go happy insane, right, where I'd just giggle and like make shit up all the time. If it was Manchester <laughs> by the Sea, I would go like depressed crazy and I'd end up hanging uh-huh. myself with a sock. So, yeah, it would have to be it would have to be The Lion King or like Spider-Verse or something happy. Yeah, it it couldn't be something depressing.
1: I was conflicted on whether to go with uh a movie that you love, like a your one of your favorite movies or a, mo- a depressing movie like Manchester <laughs> by the Sea. So, yeah um
0: yeah that it would have been easy to pick against if if it was Manchester by the sea, but the Lion King does the Lion King provides enough to uh to make me want to choose that one rather than being mute uh around a bunch of criminals that are gonna try to you know fill in the blanks yourself
1: oh that's nasty this is a good one you' be able to, you'd have to use your mouth for something oh so. Jesus, oh that's nasty <laughs>
0: get out of here um
1: sixty nine <laughs>
0: what is that that's back from when we did that episode 69.
1: oh 69. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god okay
0: well let's quit thinking about me in prison um this was a good one this might have been your best <laughs>
1: oh that's a good title
0: <laughs> you're getting weirdly better at this and i it, it's kind of unsettling so let's move <laughs> on uh this week's hypothetical. Hypothet- that high co what you want what you want what-
1: Whatcha gonna do? Get me, whatcha wanna do? speaking.
0: <gasps> Alright, we got a shitload of stuff to talk about and review and all that jazz in movies, so let's get into it. Quiet on the set. Can we please have quiet on the set?
1: Movies.
0: So before we get into trailers and a shitload of reviews, uh, we did have a couple of, well, one, one real piece of news uh, that is kind of a quick hitter. Um, in this last weekend, we had the release of Holmes and Watson, which is the mm. new Will Farrell and John C. Riley movie, uh, that came out. Sherlock Holmes, it, you know, it's set in the past and all that stuff. Uh, Will Farrell is, is, Sherlock Holmes, of course. And it is apparently the biggest fart box ever. Um, this movie currently <laughs> has 0% on Rotten Tomatoes, which the last time we heard of a movie having zero, I think it was Gotti, uh, with Travolta, which I also heard was terrible. Gotti! And uh, I don't think it made a lot of money, but apparently it's a 0% on tomatoes. You didn't, I don't think you made it to Sherlock uh, and Watson, did you?
1: <laughs> no. <laughs> I'd rather see Sherlock gnomes.
0: <laughs> yeah, I would actually probably, it had a higher score on tomatoes. Uh, let me ask you this, Seth, where are you on the Will ferrell On the On the scale of he can do no wrong uh, around the time of Anchorman and Ricky Bobby, or are you on the side of... I'm sick and done with him, and it's time for him to go away or at least try something new.
1: Um, I wouldn't say I'm sick and done with him. I don't know the like. I know his last few movies have been terrible, like this and and uh, the house wasn't very good. He hasn't quite reached like Adam Sandler level yet. Although Adam Sandler released that special, and I really like that. Mm-hmm. So Adam Sandler's movies haven't been good in a while. I would say I'm just in the middle. Like if if it's interesting and different, or if it you know people say it's good, I'll definitely go check it out um i like when he does like interviews and some of like his online stuff is pretty funny some of the videos he's released online
0: yeah i agree with you you, for me he's it's got it's gonna have to be a good movie otherwise for me to go will smith is mm -hmm. not or will smith will ferrell is not going to get me to a movie anymore i think is where i am
1: Mm -hmm. yeah i would agree with that
0: yeah and uh he right now is is getting ready to do a podcast as ron burgundy there's a Ron Burgundy podcast that is either already started or is about to start. Um, but I heard a hmm. commercial like totally serious. This is happening. Um, I heard a, a commercial for it on iHeartRadio today. So if you want to go check that out, which I can't imagine why you would, I, I don't know, but yeah, I think he's going to need to try something new and creative or what? I don't know. But, uh, Adam McKay, who, you know, a lot of the big successes from Will Ferrell has sort of kind of moved on to other stuff and, and we'll come back to him in a little bit. Um, but yeah, I think without him, it's just not landing. So he's gonna have to try to figure something out because coming back from a zero percent on Rotten Tomatoes might prove difficult. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, due to due to the amount of time we have, and we have a lot of reviews to get to, we're gonna skip over this. But I am gonna link in the description box to uh, the summary for the 2018 box office numbers. And um, real quickly, I just you know, there were a couple uh, highlights on here. Um, Black Panther so far as number. Now these are domestic. This is just in the U.S. Uh, Black Panther, then Infinity War, then Incredibles, Jurassic Park, and Deadpool are your top five. Uh, so kind of some interesting things there. So, uh, other appearances, you have Mission Impossible at seven. Um, Ant-Man and Solo are at eight and nine. Venom is ten. Star is Born is eleven. So kind of breaking oh, that wow. whole idea of uh, Oscar movies can't make money. It, it's it got $200 million in the domestic box office, apparently. Huh. Um, A Quiet Place right behind at 188. Um, Bohemian Rhapsody. So there, there are some good movies and some stinky ones um, that are appearing on here. So we'll link to that. Uh, maybe something we'll we'll talk about on next week's show when it's going to be an entirely movies episode. Uh, and we'll talk about that at the end of today's show. But I'll link to it in case folks want to look at it. And uh, of course, you can hit us with your tweets um, if you see any surprises in there. So let's jump forward and very excited to get into a couple of trailers. It was a really good week for trailers. Uh, and we got two that I think uh, I think... We have positive reviews for. Um, let's let's start with the one that I was not going to watch. Um, we talked about this last week. Uh, I was I was trying to decide whether or not I was going to go see this, and then I walked into a movie theater where it was playing, and I was like, "Okay, I'm guess I'm watching this trailer." And I didn't really fight it very much. Uh, we talked last week about Jordan Peele's new project, Us, which is a horror movie. It's going to be releasing in March, and holy fucking balls this trailer (laughs) i now maybe i don't know if it's i don't know if i just have blue balls about trailers because i haven't seen one in a while or you know haven't seen many but this is a fantastic trailer and i am so jacked for this movie um Mm -hmm. what we have here is a sort of seeming like a home invasion horror film where the invaders i don't know exactly what's going on with them but at the very least they look exactly like the protagonists and so it's a family being attacked by themselves is the sort of the premise of this movie. And none of that's spoilery. It's all in the trailer. Um, at least I hope it's not spoiler. I'm going to be pissed I watched that trailer. But um, <laughs> I saw a lot in here that I love. I think this is this is skyrocketing to near the top of my anticipated movies for 19. Um, so that's just my general thoughts. Seth, what did you see in here that you, that you dug? Because I know you liked it as well.
1: Um, I got to see this. Friday last week because they talked about it coming out on, on uh, Christmas Day so I wasn't expecting to see it till Christmas Day and I went into one of the movies I saw Mary Queen of Scots and I was like completely shocked by what I saw in this in the trailer um, especially not because I didn't realize until it pulled you know said Jordan Peele I was like oh god that's this is us <laughs> not this is us but <laughs> us um, and yeah, it's it's incredible. Um it's creepy, it's weird, it's gonna be terrifying. Um the premise is really cool. Um I would definitely recommend checking out the, the trailer for anyone who hasn't. Um I don't know I mean, you'd expect it not to give away a whole lot after Get Out and how Get Out had its you know, its own takes and twists and turns, uh apart from the trailer and all that stuff too. So yeah, it's it's incredible trailer uh, i'm definitely excited to see this movie even though i hate horror movies i think it'll have something to say um not, probably not racially driven like get out was but uh you know something along the lines of people and how they see themselves and that type of thing so uh, i'm excited to check it out um definitely recommend seeing the trailer as soon as possible
0: yeah we're gonna link to this uh we haven't seen a trailer review from jared yet over there uh, on the YouTube at Jared Buckendall. but we'll keep an eye out for it and if we get it if we get it then uh, we'll definitely link to it. That'll be one you'll certainly want to watch because Jared not a horror fan either. Um, but I am incredibly excited for this. I think it's a totally original idea, which is amazing. Um, and I'm starting to notice some Jordan peele isms in this. Um, I think having one of the one of the protagonists at one point has a wide-eyed stare right into the camera. Yeah, it's creepy. And it's it's super creepy. And it's also an exact same shot from from Get Out, where Chris is being hypnotized. Mm-hmm. And um, there are a couple other things. I think the music is is kind of similar. There's um, They do a really good job with the music in this trailer of Creepy Need the Fuck Out. Um, the cast in this is amazing. I am incredibly excited for this movie. And I didn't know it existed a month ago or a week ago. So uh, give me this tomorrow, if possible. I think if this is good, Peele stands to really cement himself in as one of the most kind of creative and, and best new filmmakers that we have. And I hope that I hope that that's the case. Cause this is going to be who I'm, I'm excited for this. So let's turn to a second trailer that we got. I haven't seen this one, but I am excited for this movie. Uh, we finally got a trailer for men in black international. So we have uh, Tessa Thompson who, you know, she can get it. And uh, of course, Chris Hemsworth who let's be honest, Seth, Chris Hemsworth can get it too. And uh, there are our new uh, men in black for the new trailer so i haven't seen this but i know you did what did you think
1: definitely all of my trepidations going into this movie have been eased by seeing this trailer um definitely feels like a like a soft reboot of of the franchise still you know nodding towards the original um there's so i mean it takes place overseas um they even have uh there's like a uh a painting of some of the events of the first movie, like with Tommy Lee Jones and Will Smith taking care of that giant bug-looking thing. God, that thing was that. that yeah, the the that was Vincent D'Onofrio going sugar water. <laughs> <laughs> so that was I love that movie. Um, anyway, but uh, so they they have like a painting of that showing some of the you know some of the past M I V moments. Seems like they're definitely going more for. MIB as opposed to Men in Black. I mean, they mentioned Men in Black once, but I think they're going to try to go towards MIB to not have the men part of it in there, which is smart. But uh, so you get kind of in the basic story, uh, Liam Neeson is kind of like the Tommy Lee Jones stick kind of take of of the, the, you know, the American version. He's but it seems like he's trying to take a step back. Chris Hemsworth is like what Will Smith kind of was in the later movies. Like he was he's like this badass, um, like perfect agent type of thing and he uh you know he he's seasoned and and seems like he might be kind of losing his edge just a little bit because he's being very laxed and, and that type of thing. Tessa Thompson is kind of playing like Will Smith in the beginning of like the first movie where she's confident, um kind of got she, she doesn't play as dumb as Will Smith does uh in the other ones. Um but she's confident but very jokey, um you know kind of quick-witted type of thing. Um and she wants to come in and be you know be it she knows about the men in black and she wants to you know be a part of it and so it's going to be kind of one of those where she's taken under her uh, under chris hemsworth's wing and uh, you know they save the world in overseas now um the trailer just it's it's a lot of fun um you kind of you see you know those bugs that kind of you know that are heckling all the time in <laughs> the other ones
0: yeah they're fucking funny
1: yeah they're 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 in this um you see Kamel nanjiani's uh what he's doing he's a voice of like this almost i don't know what he kind of like a slug looking thing <laughs> i don't know i can't really describe him uh, but he he seems like he's taken over as like the pug that talks type of character a little maybe a little bit nicer it's just but yeah definitely he's gonna have the comedy in there um it just feels like they're kind of bringing it back to the to the original where it's um not as not as goofy i mean there, there's still some goofy parts but not as goofy as like two and three were two and three just kind of got way out there mm-hmm. Um, and they kind of lost that base from the first one, so it feels like they're kind of going get back simplifying a little bit to the first one. Um, you get to see though kind of the cool cars and the guns. The guns and and gadgets and stuff are really cool looking. Plus, they score the the trailer with uh, London Bridges by Fergie. Oh man, um, which is which is awesome. So can't can't go wrong there. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to see more. Uh, I cannot wait to see this movie. Uh, next year is lining up to be really awesome. I know we say that every year, but this year is kind of a letdown. Uh, this, I think 2019 will, is going to have a lot of good stuff. And MIB is up up towards the top of my list. I'm excited to check it out. I love this franchise. I even give two two and three a little bit more leeway than others do. Um, I Yeah, I'm super excited.
0: Well, um, our buddy Jared, At Jared has, uh, I know, seen the Men in Black trailer, so we'll link to his reaction to that. Hopefully he gets an Us one up, too, because that's going to be a must-watch. Um, so links to the trailers and Jared's reactions are in the description box. So make sure you check those out. Let us know what you think on the tweets. All right, well, let's jump ahead. We have a lot of stuff to review. So hopefully we can be a little bit succinct with our reviews here. Uh, six movie reviews coming at you. We were both busy over the weekend. I'll do the first one here. And I went and saw Bumblebee on Friday night and I can be pretty quick about Bumblebee because there's, there's not a ton here to unpack, but I think this is a fun movie. I I did enjoy it. It's very different from the other Transformers movies in that we spend most of this movie not really worried about what goes on with the robots. Um, It's a lot more about Haley Steinfeld's character. And in that, I think they do kind of an interesting job of giving you a little piece of kind of... Maybe a little bit of kind of that coming of age type thing that we're always talking about. She's turning 18 during this movie. And... um, Hayley Steinfeld is, is, I think, really good in this. She kind of throws back to the edge of 17 a little bit. She's less snarky, but uh, a similar type high school, you know, a little bit of a know-it-all and a smart girl and stuff like that. Um, if you're into the 80s nostalgia, the soundtrack for this is going to be very attractive to you. A lot of great 80s music in here. Um, I like the char- character of Bumblebee in this. He, of course, can't talk, so a lot of what he does is sort of physical comedy and it occasionally gets over the top with that, but for the most part, it stays relatively grounded. I think there's a good movie here. John, John Cena, uh, does what he's asked and doesn't do more, which in this case I think is good. I, I totally feared him coming in and really hamming it up and he didn't, he was seemed relatively <laughs> restrained, which is good. And, um, yeah, this was just a fun movie. I, I'm not going to recommend that you rush out and see it in the theater Um, But definitely something I think to check out later on, maybe rent or pick up on Netflix, because it was enjoyable. Uh, What I will say, my main takeaway from this was, and this is my personal opinion, because I think this movie works and others like it can work, where the main character is the human and the robots are side characters. I think there's room for that. But for myself personally, I would love to see a movie set on Cybertron during the war between the Decepticons and the Autobots, because they open with a, they open with that. And um, there's some really cool action movie stuff that happens during that kind of opening scene uh, where they're on Cybertron fighting. I would love to see a movie that's just about the Transformers and leave the people out of it. Uh, I don't know that we'll get that anytime soon. And again, the way they're doing this is working. I did enjoy my time at this movie, um, but I'm not screaming it from the rooftops. But it, give, give me a movie. There will be more Transformers movies because this is making money. Um, and, uh, give me one that's set on Cybertron. That's my request. But, uh, this one I think was very well done, well acted, uh, pretty decent writing. Uh, nothing that is going to surprise you in this, but just a, just a fun time at the movies, something to check out later on, I think.
1: Yeah, I won't see it.
0: <laughs> so while I was at Bumblebee, I believe you were at, uh, Mary Queen of Scots, which is one I didn't see kind of throwing back to, uh, some, uh, classic qu- Queens going at it. Uh, what did you think of this one?
1: Mary Queen of Scots. So yes, it uh is the historical bio the biopic that uh stars uh Sersha Sersha and uh Margot Robbie. Some weird names in this starring in this movie. Let's get this out of the way. Um,
0: Let's get this out of the way early. Both of them can get it.
1: Um, I don't know. If you see this movie, you're gonna definitely say Margot Robbie cannot get it, because it's it's uh what they do with her her makeup and, and all that stuff is uh, gross. She has smallpox in this movie. Ugh, well, and, I, and can so, I
0: retract my... <laughs> well, nope, she can still you, get you, She can still get it. I don't nope. care. They're just really good at makeup.
1: I got to say, man, like th- these last two Oscar seasons, they've done their damnedest to make her not look attractive. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's good acting. Her if she playing... can play as ugly, then that's that's great acting.
1: Whoever her makeup team is is incredible. Um so yeah, basically, um, so Sharonan is, she's this queen who, she was married to, uh, a prince in another, another land. So she's originally from, uh, Scotland. Um, she married to some other prince type dude. He dies and she comes back to, she inherits the, 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 the throne of Scotland, what she's trying to do is merge the the thrones uh, of England. So uh, she's trying to be dual queen essentially and take the throne from Margot Robbie's character. That's kind of the the basic plot of the movie. There's a lot of uh political positioning throughout the movie based cuz back then a, a lot of this is based off of like who gets who marries who and that type of thing. So it's very um very much a strategic movie um, Kind of, definitely a lot of good acting back and forth with each other. Yeah, Margot Robbie plays Queen Elizabeth Lisa, Queen Elizabeth the 1st. And they're related, they're cousins. They they call each other sister a whole bunch throughout the movie, which is weird. Um but they're they're actually cousins. And so uh Queen Elizabeth is trying to push Mar- uh Mary to marry uh to wed a someone that she chose from you know her side from from England so that she can control the throne she can control what's going on whereas um Mary is trying to wed someone she chooses from England so that she can take control of it and it's just this weird um based off of weddings and and marriage is weird um jou- jousting um back and forth through letters through <laughs> throughout the entire movie basically the whole movie as itself it itself though is kind of Saoirse Ronan's movie she she is the main focus of the movie. She's on screen for... It's a two-hour movie. She's on screen for about an hour and a half of it, I would say. Margot is about the other 30 minutes. And then they're on screen together for maybe 10 minutes of the movie. Um, most of which you can see in the trailer if you've seen the trailer. So, uh, But there are some really, really good performances. Um, really big, really hard-hitting moments through for, for both of these. Even though Margot Robbie's on the screen for a little bit, what she is on the screen is very effective and powerful but i would honestly say though the Search and she 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 is incredible in this movie she she definitely carries it um this is a hard movie though for i would say for everyone to kind of swallow because it's it it is very slow methodical political um i we talked about this uh, off the air separately on the phone that it was written by the uh, person who created house cards for the American television, Bo Willman, he wrote, he did the screenplay for this. So it's very much that it's, it reminds me of like house card season two with kind of like the, you know, the positioning, (laughs) the political positioning and that type of thing with less um, trains. And uh, so, (laughs) (laughs) so uh, yeah, it's, it's, I would say this is more of like a, an actor you know, an acting movie, you know, you go in for this to see the acting unless you're into the the historical, you know, stuff, historical dramas. But the reason I went for this was to see the performances and the acting. And uh, I definitely got what I expected out of that in terms of the acting. I, I definitely could see both of these because the movie itself is, you know, kind of slow and, and not for not everyone's cup of tea. So, you know, it hasn't been it's been reviewed well, but not amazing. You know, I don't think this will be a, a, a surefire oscar you know best picture contender or, any, or even uh you know nominee but i definitely both of these you know margot Robbie more for supporting and Sir ronan for lead um have very good shots of being nom- nominated uh come come oscar season so um if you're you know into the the acting you're into political dramas or you're into historical dramas definitely check this one out if not probably not your cup of tea you probably get bored by it and uh you can you can skip this one well there
0: you go Big acting movie, which you know was to be expected with Saoirse. Uh you don't you don't Saoirse. you don't put sersha in there and not have her do a bunch of acting so <laughs> um, very good Mary Queen of Scots put it on your list if you want to see some good acting uh let's move on we'll keep it in the uh, keep it in the Queen's era um, we uh, we both went to see the Rachel Weiss and Emma Stone movie the favorite and we had a chance to talk about this one um, after, we had, uh, after we had each seen it. We kind of saw it around the same time. And um, it was an interesting one. I, I think it had been billed you know, in the trailers as this sort of uh, battle between these two women. And you definitely get a lot of that, um, some humor in here, a lot of proper British stuff going on right, with the costuming and, and things like that. But I think this is similar to how you're describing Mary, Queen of Scots in that it is a lot of political positioning it's just more, uh, more zoomed in, right? It's t- It's all zoomed into just the one castle, the one queen, and these two women just kind of trying to gain favor and trying to outsmart one another. So I was really interested in that portion of this movie. And I think this worked best when Emma Stone and Rachel Weiss are on screen together. And, uh, I think they had a lot going here when the, those two actresses were put on together. I think they worked really well. Uh, I thought uh, I think Olivia Coleman is the name of the actress who plays the mm-hmm. Queen. Uh, I thought she did really well. She was asked to do a lot of weird and interesting things because the Queen is ill in this movie. And just sort of my my general thoughts on this were that there there is some some humor that works in this, and some of the some of the ways that each woman kind of tries to get the hand on get the upper hand on the other were pretty creative and fun to kind of watch play out. Um, but I didn't get enough of that. I I thought there were, Mm -hmm. there was not enough of those two women going at each other and there was too much other stuff going on. And I don't mean like other plot lines. I mean, just other stuff happening. Like you'll see a scene where someone is just going about normal business that didn't need to be in there and we should be getting back to the main plot. That's kind of what I thought. There was a lot that worked really well. And then a bunch of stuff that didn't, that they added on. So I'm kind of in the middle of this. I I think I would recommend it to some, but not others, uh, what do you, what do you think?
1: Um, yeah, there's definitely a lot I agree with. I definitely thought the movie shone best, uh, when, when they were, when Rachel Wise and uh, Emma Stone are on screen together, but I, I, th- I do think I enjoy this more than you did, um, at the you know, basically as a whole, um, maybe, maybe not a whole lot more, but, um, I mean, it doesn't make my top 10 for the year, or anything like that, but I think by the end of it and with a lot of the symbolism that they were going for, I think that hit home with me more towards the end. Of the movie, and and I, this is a movie I thought about a little bit more later, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, it's growing on me more. Um, I I enjoyed a lot of the symbolism and, and stuff like that. The more I thought about it, so because um, there's a lot of that. I mean, I think the director of it has he directed
0: it. Definitely did have its it had a very clear sort of um, aesthetic to it, right? Mm-hmm. There there's like some title cards that they put in there with a specific font. The the music is very specific. The language. It, one thing it did well, I thought the direction was a, a positive here because
1: mm-hmm. they
0: put you into that world and you never question it, even though you're looking at Emma Stone.
1: Yep. The director's name, I'm not going to pronounce it correctly. Um, Yorgos Lan- Lanthimos? Lanthimos, I don't know. Um, direct, he directed um, this. Uh, he directed The Lobster, which a lot of people are divisive about, mm. and The Killing of a Sacred Deer as well. So he's directed a lot of weird, different stuff. Mm-hmm.
0: I've seen The Lobster. So, it's weird.
1: Yeah, that's what I've heard. I've never seen. I haven't seen any of those. I almost went and saw Killing of a Sacred Deer, but I didn't end up going to it. But I did enjoy this. I enjoyed the like you said the aesthetic of it. I enjoyed the camera work. There was a lot of like um, weird lenses they used mm-hmm. that kind of like made the room look round type of thing. That was cool. Uh, the The overall color of the movie was just like very gray, tight, you know, like cloudy. And I kind of enjoyed some of that. I thought the performances were really good, and yeah, I, I, I did enjoy the writing. In, in, in terms of just like the writing and directing in terms of like some of the, the thought pieces of it. But I mean, it wasn't super deep, but it was deep enough for me to, you know, especially the ending, how it kind of ends. Also, a dream was realized in this movie.
0: <laughs> I knew you couldn't <laughs> get through it without mentioning that. <laughs>
1: um, but because of how strange this movie was, uh, the, the dream was kind of uh, maybe, um, just a bit, uh, maybe just a little bit, maybe just a little bit hindered. But yeah, Emma Stone finally revealed what I've been dreaming about for uh, about a decade now, which is uh, those Emma Stone boobies. That's awesome, though. <laughs> it was uh, yes. We
0: we talked about this afterwards, and it is such a Seth's love for Emma Stone. If you guys don't know, is when I was watching it, and we weren't together, obviously. When I saw <laughs> when I saw Emma Stone's nudity in this movie, I thought about Seth, and. Yeah. I hate that so much. <laughs> but that's what happened. So a small spoiler is that you do get to see Emma Stone partially nude. So yeah, that's pretty cool. And yeah, just to go back, I think it is really well acted. I think it's really well written and directed too. I think where it loses me is in the edit. And I think that there were, just, there were times when the momentum of the movie that they had built and built and built kind of halted and then gets really mm-hmm. slow at times. And so I think I, I loved a lot of this. Um, But just on the whole, I couldn't I couldn't love the movie because of some of the scenes that I thought were unnecessary or moved really slow. But on the whole, I I thought it was Mm -hmm. really well made.
1: Yeah. Um, And normally I I think I gave this a little more leeway in terms of the pacing. Um, And I think I enjoyed I did enjoy some of the interactions, like with Olivia Olivia Coleman separately. I think I enjoyed her and Rachel Wise together more than I enjoyed her and Emma Stone alone Mm -hmm. type of thing. Um, because the the relationship with with Olivia Coleman and and Rachel Wise was really interesting, um, kind of like their their power dynamic and their um their love they had for each other, which was interesting. Uh, and then Emma Stone trying to to butt in, um, kind of her her sincerity and insincerity in it was was interesting to watch with her and Olivia Coleman. Uh, the three together were were definitely really interesting to watch, but, uh, when they each had their own time separate with each other, it it was cool, different dynamic, but I can also see too, because the way the dynamics were, you know, that it did affect some of the pacing and some of the, like you said, the editing, it just felt, some of it felt kind of disjointed at times. So I, I, I agree with that, but I think I gave this more leeway because it is more of an artsy movie and it is, um, kind of trying to tell a story through, other means of just, you know, the straight up acting, but through some of the symbol symbolism and, and that type of thing. So that's kind of where I think I was with it. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. On the whole, I think, I think good stuff from the favorite. I think I'd recommend it to folks who want to see some good performances, um, who like the sort of period piece aspect of it. Um, and you know, who is willing to, uh, you know, go through some sections of it, at least that are kind of slow moving, right? Th- those who are impatient might find themselves, um, frustrated in, in parts of this as I was, but, uh, it is definitely worth seeing. Uh, I don't know if, again, I don't know if I will implore folks to go see it in the theater, but it's definitely worth a watch if you can catch it later on, on demand, or, uh, if you want to pick it up on a rental or Netflix or something. Let's move on to another one that we both saw. And this is the new Steve Carell movie, one of the five new Steve Carell movies that seems to be all out right now. Um, welcome to Marwin. So this is the story of, uh, Steve Carell's character, who is, I guess, beaten up by some Nazi guys who are real assholes, and uh, kind of disabled a little bit. And in order to sort of cope with his new reality, he has a series of dolls that he tells stories about and takes photographs of, and you know, sort of lives in that world part of the time. So this movie, uh, directed by Ron, is it Robert Zemeckis. Um, mm-hmm.
1: Does what a, were you gonna say? I was gonna say
0: Ron Howard. Um, okay. So what Zemeckis does in here is is sort of splits this into two portions of the movie. One is where and they they don't it's not one and then the other they interweave each other. But you have uh, you have Steve Carell dealing with his real life and the trial that is happening for the people that beat him up, and then on the other side you have what's going on in the made up world of Marwin. And there are some instances where thematically, they sort of line up, and you know, one tends to inform the other. Um, I think a highlight here is the animation of the characters in Marwin. I thought they did a really good job of. Um, I think that I wanted to like this more than I ended up liking it. Um, again, I, I think a highlight was what goes on in Marwin, but the whole interaction between what happens in Marwin and what happens in the real world, did not seem to have the right amount of balance to me. And I don't know exactly what it was. I can't put my finger on it, but it it seemed like I didn't get enough of either world to really care Mm -hmm. about it. And so whenever either of the two worlds would have some big emotional beat that I was supposed to be on for, I wasn't. And so I think in that regard, what could have ended up being a really cool plot device ended up being a detriment to both sides of the story because it took time away from each one.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And so that, that's kind of what I struggled with here is I didn't feel like a lot of what, where they want to bring you along. I didn't feel like a lot of it was earned, but I I do think that the cast was a highlight. I I think this was well acted. Um, and I think that there are sections of it that, that do, there are scenes in here that are really good, but I think on the whole, I, I really couldn't get on board just because of the whole split between the real world and the, and the imaginary one. I don't know if you saw it any differently.
1: You know, I definitely agree with what you're saying. I, it just, yeah, it felt like every time I was starting to get invested with one side of it, like, you know, I was getting invested with the and stuff, they would jump back to when he was being Mark and, and then they would, I would start getting invested in that and then they jump back to the other thing. And, um, it just never, it just, yeah, it felt like it was two movies and two movies that were interesting, but they didn't, it was like seeing, it was like seeing a movie and then all of a sudden it would just like cut to the next scene and you miss stuff in between, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like it just never felt it. It was way too destroyed. It felt too much like two movies and, and didn't give me enough of each. Like you said, to really give me the, the pay, like you said, the payoff at the end. So performances were fine. Um, you know, Steve Carell does a good job when he, you know, when, when he's on the screen as himself and then also does a, you know, a good job of, of being the CGI thing. But, um, it just, yeah, it, it never, it never felt all the way there for me. Um, I wanted, yeah, I, I, this is one of my most anticipated uh, after seeing the trailer a few months back. And um, it's, I don't see this being anywhere near any sort of awards contender, mm-hmm. um, even for performances, to be honest. So just uh, not, not what it wanted to be. I, that I, we talked about, um, I, I would much rather have seen this be because the, there's, there is a very deep story here. Mm-hmm. Um, it would have just been much more, I think it more suited if you saw, if it's stuck in the real world the entire time and he used the, the, the doll, you know, used the art to kind of tell a story uh, separately outside of it, you know, used you know, took the pictures and kind of told the story of through his real life person. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it would have been not much different, you know, in terms of like an, it wouldn't have the, like the different fact, like the unique factor, like it does, you know, that kind of the drawing factor in, but Hey, this movie made $2 million this weekend in the box office. Not many people are going to see it mm-hmm. because it wasn't reviewed well, yeah. you know? So, um, and they spent a lot more on that on the c g i so you know tell make a good movie, tell a good story, quit trying to worry about a gimmick that 's not gonna you know not gonna pay off in the end. They could have told a really good story, really deep, really emotional, and because you don't get much investment on either side um it it doesn't it doesn 't live up to the expectation in the end so yeah
0: exactly i and I think they could have gone either way. I think both both were done well in parts they could have gone all Marwin or all uh, you know, Mark and, and and either would have been a decent movie. Um, especially I think if they go all Mark, you really give a chance to Steve Carell for him to stretch his legs. I think they could have had something, something big here. Um, but you know, going with the gimmick, I think hurt him here. I definitely see where that could be. So this is not going to get a recommend from us. I, you know, you could catch this later on, on maybe Netflix for free. Um, but I'm not, you know, uh, I, I, I'm not recommending it. Are you?
1: Oh no, not not yet. I mean, I would say, yeah, definitely, if it's on Netflix or Amazon or Hulu, and you're you're bored someday, because it's it's not, it's not like it's not entertaining. It's just not, it's not gripping. It's not what it should be, and it's, it's not worth the money to go spend a seat in the theater right now. Yeah.
0: Do you remember the Secret Life of Walter Mitty? Yeah. So I I like that movie more than most, but that was another movie where mm-hmm. I sat in it and I was like, this is kind of charming, and then I left it and forgot it all. And yeah. this is pretty much the same experience.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: All right. So let's move into, we've got two more left here. And uh, here's one that you saw and I didn't. Uh, I think a lot of anticipation, a lot of curiosity around the sequel to the, I think, 50-year-old Mary Poppins movie. So this is Mary Poppins Returns uh, with Emily Blunt in the title role. And this is one that I was really surprised that you were <laughs> interested in going to see because you don't do musicals. So had this one, had this one live up?
1: Pish posh Cody pish posh <laughs> no Mary Poppins returns uh definitely I'll keep this one short but because it's not you know super deep movie but it's it's a lot of fun it's a good time um Emily blunt I'm ready I'm waiting for you to do it
0: no you gotta say it first
1: <laughs> she can get an Oscar nomination for her performance I'm still blowing it <laughs> <laughs> and it as well yeah um, <laughs> No, Emily Blunt's awesome. Um she 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 is she instantly embodies uh, Mary Poppins. Now I barely remember the original, but um she uh she you know, she is that character, you know, she from from moment one on the screen, she does an awesome job. Um she can definitely sing very well. Um she uh she's she's charming, she's funny, she she does everything she needs to. She she carries the movie. Uh, they definitely try forcing Lin Manuel Miranda down your throat in this movie. Been there. Um gross oh that's nasty (laughs) and uh he even does his little rapping thing like he does in hamilton which felt kind of forced and weird you know mary poppins is a who does she's awesome she's she's fun um you know it's 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 her movie um as much as they try to make it lin-manuel miranda's movie again i'm not too steeped in the lore of mary poppins so i you know like they brought back like lin-manuel's uh Miranda's character is a returning character from the original they have the two children uh, the Banks children from the original Dick Van Dyke comes back which you all see that in the trailer Um, they throw Meryl Streep in randomly for no reason Um, she felt kind of just forced in in a weird scene I mean it's a a pretty just like whimsical story uh, which is fun the music's really fun other than the the rapping even though I liked the song the rapping was in um, or the, the it wasn't even rapping it's like like fast talking <laughs> like he just like doesn't he? it's just, it, it's just weird i i mean maybe i need to see hamilton but it just felt like oh Lynn old miranda's in this movie let's do the rapping thing yeah. and they didn't need to because like the songs that he sings are actually pretty fun um but then they that song they just kind of throw it in and it felt weird um the animation is what's really really cool so there's some cgi in it which is weird but the when they do the drawn animation it's really cool because um, it looks like old school Disney animation, but they, the, you know, it, it doesn't look like grainy or anything like that, like the other ones do. But when they throw it in, wh- how it looks, it, it's really seamless with the the people. And, and some of the, co- they use costume tricks and effects to make it look um, like all, you know, seamless and together. It's really neat. I, I definitely recommend checking that out, even just for that. Uh, but yeah, like I said, the music's fun. The acting is good with with uh, Emily Blunt. The kids are fine. You know, kids, kid acting is just usually bad. So, um, you know, it's not distracting or anything like that. So, yeah, it's just a fun movie. It's a good time. It's an enjoyable time at the theater. Um, it's never really annoying with the music. Uh, I had to pee really bad during this movie. And so the end is really drawn, <laughs> drawn out. Um, it took it t- like the last music number if there's one complaint I do have about the music is that they repeat a lot of the music over and over again. Um, and the last music number is so long and they like hold notes forever. And I, I was about ready to piss myself. Um, but no, it, it's, it's a good time. It's fun. Would recommend checking out if you're any sort of Disney fan or, you know, musical fan or Mary Poppins fan. Um, yeah, it's just fun. Check it out. Just
0: fun. I like it. I like having just fun. Yeah. I I, I do want to check this out cause I do like a good musical and, you know I like Emily Blunt, so um, maybe I'll check this one out. The last one we went to is my favorite of the weekend, and one of my favorites in a long time, actually, and it's Vice. And this is the story of Dick Cheney um, as portrayed by uh, Christian Bale, who, uh, let's get this out of the way early, uh, is fucking incredible in this, and in my mind is uh, should be near the top of anyone's list of best actors for this year because he fully dives into Dick Cheney. Adam McKay wrote and directed this. Uh, you'll remember him from some of the old classic Will Ferrell stuff that you loved him in, but uh, more recently in The Big Short, which was Oscar-nominated. And if you liked The Big Short, I think you're really going to like Vice because it's a lot of the same type of storytelling with the cutaways and the narration. And they have a pretty good way, I think, of taking things that most people aren't familiar with and making it digestible. It never mm-hmm. it never seems too smart, um, which you know political movies uh, can do. Um, and so I, I think I, I really enjoy the way that McKay tells these stories. It's very kinetic, very quick. It's never boring. It's on the whole. I thought the, the way that this was made was a really fun experience for me. And one of my favorites of this year, um, I'm giving it a high recommendation. Um, I know you're going to be more focused on Christian Bale and the other performances in this one. Um, so what did you think on that, on that front?
1: Yeah, no, I, I agree with you that Christian Bale, uh, at, from what I've seen so far this year, is my choice for best best actor. Um, I think Bradley Cooper is 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 uh, up there in terms of like, competing. I think those two will be kind of the the, fi- the like you know the last two. That's it's going to go back and forth between them. I prefer Christian Bale just because of I appreciate what he did in terms of becoming Dick Cheney, whereas um, Bradley Cooper was more of an emotional um, character driven. Uh, kind of journey you went on with him type of thing, Mm -hmm. you know? I think technically Bale is better, but in terms of the movie and the story, Bradley Cooper um, was kind of more of a hard hit in that movie, you know? But yeah, I mean, Vice, I I did enjoy a lot. Uh, You mentioned Will Ferrell. He actually produced, uh, was a co-producer of the movie I saw in the credits. Oh, cool. um, Which is interesting. Yeah. But, uh, and I think just because uh, him and Adam McCabe and Friends Forever and whatever. But um, in terms of the movie itself, you know, I, I did enjoy it. I had a good time. I, I, I think this weekend, um, in terms of movies, I watched that and the favorite. I think I kind of mm. go back and forth on. Um, but I did enjoy Vice. Enjoy Vice a lot. Um, it was a in very interesting story told. I, th- I think the, the comparisons of The Big Short are definitely there. I think part of that maybe is why I, If this, if this would have came out before Big Short, I probably would have enjoyed this a lot more. Mm. But I had t- seen the storytelling before. And so I, I wasn't as like shocked or as impressed by it, still cool and fun, but you know, I had seen it before, but, uh, yeah, definitely learned a lot about, about Dick Cheney and, you know, kind of what was going on during that time. I'm very interested in that time of history, especially with the people who are in power and kind of the aftermath of, you know, 9-11 and, uh, you know, all that stuff. It's really interesting, especially because we were, you know, growing up during that time Mm -hmm. and we you know, we, we knew about kind of what was going on, but we didn't really know a ton. We didn't know, you know, have a lot of the politics, you know, we knew the basic of politics, the, the basis of politics and, and learning more about it that like this in the looming tower, which is that, that limited series I, watched, mm-hmm. series I watched. Um, I've been really, really enjoying, uh, learning more about that time in history, which is cool. Um, so that, that was interesting. I, I was, I was definitely hooked in that way. The, it was a funny, very funny movie at times. Um, there there's so there's just some funny like cutaway moments um one point where they it's like they're ending the movie early which is kind of (laughs) funny i love that um yeah that was good um a lot of like uh kind of tongue-in-cheek jokes um self-aware jokes um but then also some really serious and almost scary moments with dick cheney Mm. and uh you know how how dangerous he kind of was and uh but also how smart and calculated he was too and uh a very impactful end scene with Dick Cheney as well. So, you know, I enjoyed a lot of it. It was it was a lot of fun. Um, I I can't quite put it up there in my top ten or even twenty of the year right now. Just I've seen a lot more movies that have stuck with me, and a lot more movies that I thought have done something different or had something more impactful for mm-hmm. me. Um, this movie did have its issues for me in terms of pacing and, uh, like you mentioned, editing before there. This movie kind of went back and forth like two or three times from previous scenes in the movie. Mm -hmm. And though when they did that, it didn't add anything for me. It just kind of felt like they were recapping stuff that already had happened. And um, it didn't really hit home emotionally where uh, I think maybe that's why they were doing it. But at the same time, I think it was just to kind of recap it and and sell that point that was coming up. And I felt like they could have done away with that, especially if you were paying attention to the movie. Um, And then the last like half hour or so, um, once we kind of got past... 9/11 9 um, 911 and kind of got towards the end or at the end of the bush rain um it just felt like that some a lot of that was unnecessary and uh it, it just kind of was dragging out so um pacing issues editing issues but overall again very enjoyable movie um a lot of fun incredible performances and uh would be would be a recommend i would say definitely watch out for Christian Bale um and and for best actor and you know, I really, I like Sam Rockwell too. I liked his performance as Bush. So I I had fun with him. Um yeah, I would recommend seeing the movie though.
0: Yeah, I want to tag on um Sam Rockwell, I think is great as Bush. And I think what they do really well here is he doesn't do an impression of George Bush. He plays a character mm-hmm. who you know is supposed to be George Bush, and there's a difference between those two things. And I think they really mm-hmm. navigated it well. Because they could have if they wanted an impression of George Bush, they could have put fucking Will Ferrell on there. And yeah. um Amy Adams, I think, is fantastic in here. You know, you mm-hmm. you rarely hear the story of the woman behind the man, and she is very much playing that character in here and drives a lot of what Dick does. And I think she's incredible in this. Um, we'll see. I don't know whether she gets nominated or not for supporting actress, but I really did like her part in this. Um, and yeah, the, I think Steve Carell. Steve Carell is great. I loved him as. Um,
1: rummy yeah donald, donald rumsfeld.
0: rumsfeld yeah who's one of those yeah, like you said we were growing up during this time and knew all this stuff was going on and i had heard the name donald rumsfeld but didn't know why mm-hmm. you know yeah and you have like tyler perry shows up as colin powell which yeah. is awesome like there's a great cast in here and and i think
1: whoever played uh Cond- condoleezza rice looked a lot like her she too. was
0: great i don't know that actress but uh but she was great there's a lot in here yep. there's a lot in here to unpack um You have to like this method of storytelling. I I told someone already, if you didn't like the big, if you saw the big short and didn't like it, don't watch Vice. You won't like it. It's very similar in that. And it's not for everybody. You know, you have to be kind of into, I'm very into the whole infotainment type thing, right? Like the Daily Show and Last Week Tonight and that kind of stuff does where they're telling you actual facts, except it's in a way that's funny. I really grip onto that. So I I knew I was going to love this. Um... And so you have to be—you have to like this kind of movie, um, and if you do, I give this a rush out now and see it recommendation. Um, and even if you don't, and you're willing to put up with some of those things, Christian Bale is worth it alone because he is incredible in this. Mm-hmm. Uh, a pretty good, pretty good weekend at the movies on the whole. Um, nothing, nothing that was terribly uh, terrible. Uh, some things that maybe didn't live up to a lot of the hype, but uh, but I think there were definitely some highlights here to be had. So in in what has been a kind of a barren. December. I I think there are certainly a couple highlights. So, um, let's move forward from December and start talking about January. We got to do the new release rectal exam. (laughs) I still really hate that one. (laughs) Every month I think we got to change this and then I forget. Um, no. the new release rectal exam Seth is about to quiz me on the upcoming films <laughs> from uh, January of 2019 on the line are our uh, hosting nicknames if I win the exam we get to be the so host and co host for the month of January if not Seth will make up a nickname for me to use and I'm not allowed to call him the so host so a lot at stake here in what looks like a pretty thin January um, but there's some obscure stuff January tends to be a dumping ground so we'll see if anything uh, is exciting. I know there's a couple movies that I'm excited to see. We'll see if they make their appearances here. Um, so there are going to be three clues, uh, an actor or actress, a director, and a release date. And I have to guess the movie titles that they correspond with. So uh, I think I've covered all the all the rules here. So let's, uh, Seth, let's jump into it.
1: You got it. You said it's going to be a thin January, but it's also looking to be a pretty hairy August. <laughs>
0: oh, my all God. Right. That's not going on anytime <laughs> soon. <laughs> I would like huh? to start with my actor clue.
1: Actor clue. This might be the toughest one. Oh, okay. Um, actually, no. The director might be pretty tough, too. So, actor, actress. This actor, actress. Uh, will. Is, they're, they're, it's an actress. Their name. I almost said the movie they're going to be in. I almost screwed <laughs> up. Um, is uh, Daredevil actress Deborah Ann Wool.
0: Uh, hmm.
1: Say, so if you want to come back to it later, you can. I, I think
0: I do... It took me a bit to picture who I think that actress is. Um, Let's come back to it. Let's put a pin in Deborah Ann Wool and come back to her.
1: Um, What do you want instead? Give me the director. Neil Berger.
0: Neil Berger? Neil
1: Berger. Neil Neil Berger, maybe. I don't know. Oh, fuck. You didn't study very well, I'm going to
0: go Ofer. Um, No, I, I did study, but I'm just blanking on Neil Berger.
1: Um, N-I-E-L-B-U-R-G-E-R. So it's either Berger or Berger. I don't know. I've never heard it. I've heard it pronounced before, and I can't remember. It's what. B- I think it might be Neil Berger. It's
0: B-U-R-G-E-R?
1: B-U-R-G-E-R.
0: Does it have any accents?
1: Uh, not that I remember seeing. Okay. I don't think the clue would help you on this one, because the clue is what other movies they've directed. <laughs> and
0: you don't know any of them? Okay. Um, well,
1: I could look it up, but I mean, it's not going to help you, I don't think, because... Yeah, you'd have to know what they're directing.
0: Okay, let's go to the release now. date and see if that provides any help, which I know it will.
1: <laughs> okay, January eighteenth.
0: Okay, I'm gonna take a stab at this one because I need to save the clue. I'm gonna say that that's glass.
1: Okay. Correct. Okay,
0: so I got glass. That's that's pretty much the only thing that weekend.
1: I gave you a gimme on that one in case you got to the end. Yeah, I was. I, I was, was gonna be like, all right, you get that one. Hmm. So you probably want to go back to actor actress.
0: Uh, yeah. Give me give me the actor. Well.
1: That's gonna be the best clue for you. I'm helping you through this game now. Um Yeah, I I So you want the you you want what else they've been I'm in? Getting, or you want so the next one is uh the clue for actor actress is the next build.
0: I don't think either of these two clues is gonna be Yeah, go ahead and give me the, the next build actor or actress in her movie.
1: Yeah, this isn't gonna help you at all either. Fucking <laughs> I don't know who this person is. Um I'll give you the fucking next four. Um <laughs> Taylor Russell, Tyler Labine. Who was the Hug it, chug it football guy in Zach and Mary. <laughs> okay. Logan Miller and then Nick uh, Nick Dodani. Nick, Nick Dodani. He was, uh, he's been in, he's he's like in a Best Buy commercial, but he's also the best friend on Atypical. The uh, friend of the. Okay.
0: Okay. And what was that actor or the director's name? Not of this movie. Neil but Berger. Other, Neil Berger. Okay.
1: Of the, of the other one. Yeah.
0: I have two movies. Or Neil Berger. F- I have two movies floating around in my head. Did Neil Berger? Okay, I'm going to. This is my guess. Is that the upside? That ah, is. Okay, okay. Because I got the upside. Um,
1: it's not going to And be. what
0: was her name again? The first actor?
1: Deborah Ann Wool.
0: Oh, my God. I know it. Uh, do you? Yeah, I do. It's Escape Room.
1: Yep. Yeah.
0: For free for the win. You're fucking right. I got it. Oh, that took me so long. So the problem I had with that one, I I stared at that one for a while, the Deborah one. And I had done a, I had done a mnemonic. I I, I was doing Deborah room as the, the (laughs) (laughs) but the problem was the problem was that when you told me that she was in daredevil, I pictured her and she's not on the cover. She's not on the poster. It's someone else. Yeah, The the person pictured in the poster is like Hispanic looking or something, but they're not, they're not a white girl, whatever it is. And so I was picturing that poster and being like, that couldn't have been her. But then I finally remembered back to my mnemonic that I had. Yeah, you're right. Um, I fucking got it. Oh, that was a different, that was the hardest one that I've gotten. Maybe save for the blind guess. I took at like the Grinch or whatever a few months ago.
1: Yeah yeah Debra Ann wool is the furthest thing from hispanic she's probably the whitest person that i've ever seen yeah. so Aryan race
0: personified for sure so here we go man i got uh, escape room the upside and glass in january um so i'm a i'm the champion so we are back next week as the so and co-host because i am the champion of this month's new release rectal exam It's a lot easier to take when I've won. I, I find that to be true.
1: <laughs> that's what she said. Oh, God. Oh, that's nasty. Europe. It, it's a lot easier to take when I've won is probably another good episode title.
0: <laughs> it is certainly um, certainly gross. I don't remember what the other one was, but I, I did like it too. All right. Uh, let's get forward. We are almost done with the show. But before we go, we got to give you one more thing. But well, I'm down to one, one
1: more thing.
0: Well, I wanted to just touch on uh, something I've been working my way through for years now, and that's all the stand-up comedy that's on Netflix. And there, a lot of people know this, but some don't. There's a total wealth of stand-up comedy on Netflix. And not all of them are the Netflix-made ones, but there are some other ones. There's like some Jerry Seinfeld on there. There's some old Eddie Murphy on there. Um, If you're into stand-up comedy and you just search it, there is definitely something for everybody. Uh, Most recently, I was watching The Stand-Ups, which is a series that's got two seasons, each with like five or six 15 to 20 minute sets from different comedians. Um, Dion Cole was on there, he's on Blackish. Um, uh, who was I just talking about to you earlier, Seth? Um, Brent Morin was on there, mm-hmm. he's got a really good one. I can't think of her na- her full name, but not it's like Nunjarla is her last name. She's on Master of None and loves talking about wrestling when she goes on a date with Aziz. She's like a small <laughs> woman, she's on there. Um so if you want like a 15 minute set those are great. Um there's also like hour sets from just about everybody and basically if you you probably already know this if you if you enjoy stand up comedy but there's so much of it on Netflix. I just wanted to remind people to go check some of it out because between starting Mrs. Maisel and watching some of the stand up on Netflix it's really gotten me kind of revved back up and wanting to try hitting some open mics like we used to back in the day but uh mm-hmm. so if you're into comedy you look no further than Netflix cuz there's infinite sets on there.
1: Watch more Maisel. <laughs> My one more thing is uh, a, co- a comedy of the romantic variety. Uh, man, I'm watching romantic comedies and musicals. You're getting What's outside of your right
0: box, now? man. I love it. <laughs>
1: um, I watched the romantic comedy Crazy Rich Asians uh, over the, the winter break. Um, I was able to watch it for free because of Google Opinion Rewards, and it was on sale in the Google Play Store. And uh, for $3, I think it still is actually um, on voodoo too. It's like three bucks. So if you haven't seen the movie, it's time to check it out. It's it's uh, I mean, it's a pretty standard romantic comedy, um, but all Asian people instead of uh, white people or, um, you know, like usual romantic comedies are. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's just a it's a it's a fun little movie. It's uh, it's funny. It's definitely got some heart to it, some emotion to it. It, you know, it follows some pretty, you know, pretty pretty, uh, familiar beats you've seen in most romantic comedies. But, you know, I know like, uh, Constance Wu, I think is the actress's name. Um, she is nominated for, um, lead, lead comedy actress for the Golden Globes. Um, I can definitely see why she was, she was great. She was charming. Um, she carried some, some emotional scenes that she needed to. She was funny when she needed to her and her, the chemistry between her and Aquafina, who was her friend, her college roommate, who, um, is living over in China, uh, who, she, who she sees when she goes over there for a wedding with her boyfriend, you know, that when they get together in the movie, it's really funny. Um, there's also like this, uh, like this gay dresser sidekick guy that's in the movie. So, it, I mean, it hits all the, hits all the beats of a romantic comedy, but it's fun. There's a lot of fun chemistry in it. Um, definitely made me actually laugh a few times and, and, uh, you know, I felt I actually felt, uh, you know, I care about the characters in the movie. So it was cool. Um, I'll definitely check out, uh, you know, the, the sequel they already had announced uh, two days after it came out. So, <laughs> um, you yeah, know, definitely a good time and would recommend checking it out, especially if, uh, you know, if it ever hits HBO now, which I'm sure it will. Or, uh, you know, now uh, it's three dollars and you have some time, um, would recommend checking it out.
0: Look at you go, watching romantic comedies and then recommending them to our listeners. I like what I'm seeing. <laughs>
1: game, man,
0: this is awesome. I still have to check out Crazy Rich Asians, but I definitely want to. I've heard nothing but good things about it, so I'm excited. Yeah, I know that.
1: you'd love it. Yeah,
0: awesome. Good. All right. Well, uh stand-up comedy and and Crazy Rich Asians. Crazy Funny Asians this week and one more thing. But I'm down to run. That's going to take us to the end of episode 74. Don't forget to subscribe wherever it is you may be listening so you can get brand new episodes every Friday and be the first to listen. Um, Hit us up on Twitter, underscore Cody Michael, Seth O. Ott, or Pod. And also don't forget to check out the YouTubes. At Jared Buckendall. Jared is doing all sorts of movie reviews. I think he's reviewed almost everything we did today. Um, Trailer reactions. We're still hoping, fingers crossed, for that Us one uh, to come out. And uh, all sorts of other great stuff from Jared. And by the way, a special annu- look
1: up for his Holmes and Watson.
0: Yeah, Holmes. He is currently in Holmes and Watson as we as we record this podcast. So we'll see what his thoughts are. I'm sure they're sterling.
1: <laughs> Gross. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, that's nasty. <laughs>
0: um, also, fun announcement. Uh, next week is going to be episode 75, and we're going to have a special guest. <sighs> Jared Buckendahl will be joining us for episode seventy-five. We're going to recap twenty eighteen by counting back all of our top ten favorites of the year. And I know Seth already has his work. Favorite what? Our favorite movies of the year. Oh,
1: okay. I thought it'd been uh, our favorite uh, running gags on the on the podcast. Oh, we
0: could do that too. Such
1: as, yeah, such as uh, our our miles miles minute. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! That we created this week. <laughs> That's my favorite one. That's number one. We
0: waited all the way until the end of the year to do our favorite thing of the year. Um, that, that that actually makes a ton of sense. So,
1: Well, I mean, this can only happen in this time. It's, you know, this is the spectacular now. So,
0: Oh, my. I can't handle you anymore. I'm going to mute you for the rest of this show so that we can get. God, that was such a good one. That was so good that I'm angry at you. <laughs> oh my gosh! Um, well,
1: I literally think now we've run through the entire. Um, actually, no, there's a few more.
0: <laughs> okay, we're done with that for now. <laughs> so uh, we have run yet another gag into the ground on episode 74. Uh, again, we're gonna have Jared next week counting back all of our. It'll be a different type of show. We'll talk movies the entire time with Jared. Um, we're gonna count back all of our all of our top tens, and always a fun time to have Jared on. So uh, we're really excited to get that show going uh, it's going to be our first of the new year because this has been our final episode of 2018 we want to thank you all uh, for listening uh, along the way for all uh, 74 episodes so far and we plan to continue into the new year so uh, make sure you stick along again make sure you're subscribed so that you're getting all of the new episodes all right so for the final time in 2018 this has been episode 74 i have been SpongeCo square beans <laughs> <laughs> and former partner seth ott we will See you next week.
1: Bye. I love you, Miles.